<laughs> Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Chainsaws and Claws, a killer monster podcast. I am Patrick Vicious. I'm Rob the Slasher Drunkie. <laughs> uh, today, um, we're doing two films that are uh, the New York f- films. I, mean, I guess we have many, many New York films that we probably do, but these are the, the two that we're doing right now. Um, first one being... Um, one of like the most kind of this. Okay, I can think of no way to say how important it is to me that doesn't sound weird. So like, I am going to state for the record that I have never murdered anyone to my knowledge. Um, and like, I, I mean, like, basically, I just think that American Psycho is fucking brilliant and a like very. It's funny how, like, it's... The thing I think is actually most interesting about it is actually the thing that, like, we're going to get into it later, but, like, um, is the thing that the director and the writer both see as, like, a mistake, essentially. Um, because the movie works on, like, two different levels where you could be taking all of it completely literally um, as it was kind of presented in the book, if I remember. It's been a long time, though. Um, or you could take it all as a satire where, um, it's literally just all the crazy internal breakdown of Patrick Bateman. Um, and either way, like to watch it that way, I think makes it exceptionally more interesting, uh, which is why I thought it was really annoying when Mary Harris and Gwyneth Richter was like, no, that was not where our attention at all. We were like, trying to make it very clear that he committed these murders. They're like, that's a less interesting movie, so I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. Um, but no, like, it's funny because, like, watching it when I was, like, when it first came out when I was younger, I mean, I definitely always saw, like, the satire in it and thought it was really funny. Um, but I also, like, really enjoyed that it's, like, it's weird movie to like try to like categorize because like i mean (laughs) we're doing it and we're like horror but like it's not really a horror film per se like i mean like it has very like strong horror elements and obviously there's gore um but like as far as like calling it a horror movie it's weird it's it's so fucking hilarious despite the fact it's kind of like the anti-henry porter versus killer because henry porter versus killer it's just like a dark time with this dark serial killer and nothing about it is possible or like maniac, like whatever. Um, whereas this is just like the lightest, happiest time that you're going to have watching a dude who is a complete piece of shit, but is endearing because of how fucking good Christian Bale is in the part and how well written it was by Gwyneth Bairchard and how, direct, how well directed it was by Mary Harron. I, mean, I guess the whole cast, I should actually note, because, like, really, across the board, even people that I don't normally like, like Reese Witherspoon, I think is good in the movie. Like, um, so like, there's really nobody in the movie that I dislike. Uh, I think everybody, like, does a great job. Yeah. But, like, it is, like, this really, like, kind of, um, I think, really brilliantly, like, funny, like, satire like when I tell people like how much I love it and how funny I think it is, people inevitably always look at me weird. Um, yeah, it's, like, be- it's become <laughs> one of those movies that's like a red flag if you say you yeah, like it's it. kind of like Fight Club, I guess, which is that came out around the same time and I also really love. Um, but it's like it's it's the weird thing of like I feel like if you don't, be, okay, to be totally totally fair, I mean like 
both of these movies when I was younger, um, to some extent, it was like it wasn't total like that I was like buying the satire and as much as it was just like the satire was there, but also it was like these were like kind of like dark and edgy like things. And then over time, it just kind of like the dark and edginess kind of fell away. Yeah. And I just kind of enjoy them on like a like on the level of what they were trying to achieve of being a satire. Um, but yes, like there's tons of people who take them seriously, like deadly seriously. And I completely understand why that would be terrifying <laughs> to somebody um, that was hearing that. But no, I just think it's really good. And I remember that was the thing that's funny is um, based on this is what I remember like when they were um, trying to do because um, I'm. Obviously, I mean, to anybody who doesn't know at this point, I don't know how. Um, I am uh, an obsessive Batman fan. and um, I was, I was going to ask that. <laughs> and during the era when um, they were, like, talking about doing, even before Batman Begins, when they were talking about doing, like, all these different takes on Batman, like, there was the whole, uh, they were developing, like, a Batman vs. Superman movie, like, forever ago, uh, with Wolfgang Peterson, where they had, like, um, they were, like, talking about, like, like, Josh Hartnett, and everyone's like, no, fuck that guy! And I think against Josh Hartnett, but... Um, and it was just like, and they're just naming off people. And the one person who I think everybody universally, when they were like, well, maybe Christian Bale, everyone was like, oh, actually, <laughs> like, and yeah. it was just like, and that's why to this day, like, I felt so um, rewarded when I saw what he did with Batman because I knew based on this, even though his character in this is closer to like the Joker, um, but like, you know, he does kill the Joker. Um, <laughs> no, that, that was going to be one of the things I asked you. Like, so how do you feel about this movie having Batman kill the Joker? Yeah. <laughs> but no, but like, I mean, this was a movie that made me realize, like, because I didn't really, I only kind of vaguely knew Christian Bale before this. Um, but based on this, I was like, oh, that guy's amazing. And like, when they mentioned him for Batman, I was like, that guy would be fucking great. And I was so fucking happy when it turned out that I was correct. And like, everybody was correct. But they were just like, yeah, no, he was fucking great. Because, like, his performance in this movie, I, it's funny because, I mean, like, at this point, I think people just take him being great for granted um, because he's never, I can think of, given a bad performance. Um, right. Even in movies that, like, even when movies aren't good, he's still good in them. Um, but this was kind of, like, the thing they put him on the map in the best possible way. Yeah. Where, but it is, at the same time, I, I do, like, I think it's funny. I remember, like, um, apparently he was told repeatedly that doing this would be career suicide. And he was just like, and it actually, this was me that made him a star. But yeah. also, I do love the fact that, like, he, like, every time that Christian Bale has been, like, I, I, guess I saw him, I don't know if you saw it, um, on the GQ, like, uh, thing when they go through, like, their careers. Yeah. And um, they were like, if you play Patrick Bateman, you'll never play anything else again. And he was just like, bring it on. Uh, and they were like, when he did, they offered him Batman. He's like, well, if you do Batman, you're never doing anything else ever, ever again. And he's like, bring it on. And he's like, yeah. if I can't, if I can't, give it up for good enough performance that I don't deserve to work again. Like, it's like, if I don't, if I can't make you forget in the next movie that I was this thing, then I don't deserve it. And right. I was like, I just love his attitude. And I love his performance. Like, really, I'll, I'll improve it always. But like, in this movie especially, I think he's great because he does a brilliant job of just being somebody who is absolutely reprehensible, but also super lovable because of how much of a fucking jerk off he is that you can't you kind of can't even when he does because he never does a, a decent thing in the entire movie even when he's like it seems like he's gonna do a decent thing he's still kind of a piece of shit at the time like it's just like like when he like spares people's lives yeah it's still like he he it was it wasn't that he was just really 
being a good guy. It was just like in that moment, he just couldn't do it. Like it just wasn't, it didn't line up with what he wanted to like do. But like it just, everything about his performance is just so great that I just love, I love it. I love it so much. And like the movie, I think, I think everything involved from top to bottom is just, it's just a fucking masterpiece. Like it's just a fucking masterpiece of a fucking film. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's the, when it comes to Christian Bale, I just like how like he's incredibly fearless about that kind of thing. He's also very much like into that thing where it's just like people tell him not to do something. He's like, it, it make, makes me want to do it even more. Because in that, that same uh, GQ thing, he said that the, after he did American Psycho, he said he had friends that told him that the, that there were people who wanted to do him harm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he said, like, oh, don't walk down that alleyway because they're going to jump you. He said, just maybe walk, walk down the alleyway even more because it's like, yeah, come on, motherfuckers and shit. He said, nobody ever came to and shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, yeah, that's my guy. But, yeah, I... Uh, I, I don't know if you remember, like, I don't know if you, like, watched, like, Entertainment Tonight and, uh, mm. what was it, uh, like, was Access Hollywood and all that shit, but yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, American Psycho being a big thing because uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio had expressed interest in Even it. Even before that, no, because I think I was reading the um, the actual, like, history of it. You know who was first trying to make this movie? It was Cronenberg with Brad Pitt. And Cronenberg could not get a draft of the script that he was happy with, so he eventually just bounced. And then they brought in Mary Heron, and Mary Heron wanted to do it, and but she was like, the only person I will do it with is Christian Bale. Yeah. At the time, no one knew or cared who Christian Bale was, so they were like, no. And so eventually, that got her fired from the job. And then DiCaprio was going to do it with Oliver Stone, um, and then <laughs> over time... It just kind of, they both kind of became disenchanted with it and bounced, and it kind of swung back to being like, Well, Mary, do you want to come back? And she's like, Yeah, but I'm only doing the Christian Bale. She's like, oh, All right, that's fine, I guess. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like they, they were like, Because uh, this was going to be DiCaprio's follow up to uh, Titanic, which had, you know, made him a megastar overnight. Uh, and they was like, Oh, did DiCaprio want this? She was like, No. Like, it is thing. Bale was not her first choice. Bale was her only choice. Like she only saw him in the part, and they were like, "But DiCaprio wants it." She was like, "I don't, I don't care." Well, we want DiCaprio. She was like, "Well, fuck you," and and they both left. And I remember that being a big thing. Like, oh yeah, the DiCaprio in American Psycho, like fucking every day and shit. They were reporting on DiCaprio wanting to do um, American Psycho, and then he just was like, "Nah." I feel like also um, when I've read of um, what Oliver Stone and DiCaprio wanted to do, I don't think it would have worked. Also, I mean, I say that as somebody who doesn't like Oliver Stone's work, so that's, I guess, take that with a grain of salt. But um, I guess the whole plan was they wanted to do kind of more of a Jekyll and Hyde kind of a thing. Um, and I think Mary Heron's take is way better. Like, I think what Mary Heron did is something that the only other person, the only other like movie that gets close to actually translating Brett Easton Ellis's style is Less Than Zero, but this does it even better, I think, because yeah. Less Than Zero treated it earnestly. And this treats it as over-the-top satire, and that, I think, works better for what Brett Easton Ellis does. Like, it's like, I don't, 
dislike Brett Easton. I actually like Brett Easton Easton Ellis' work. But I've always read his stuff in the way of it being very kind of over the top and like satirical. Even if that's, I don't have no, I have no idea if that was what he intended or not. But um, that's always the way that I read it. So like, I feel like Mary Heron's take with Guinevere Turner and Christian Bale was by far the closest that anyone has gotten to like actually translating what Brady Ellis does as a novelist. Doesn't he actually agree with that? Because I feel like he doesn't like majority of the adaptations of his work aside yes. from this. Like if if, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> he he doesn't like. He used to hate Lessons Zero. Now he likes Lessons Zero. Yeah. He had said uh, for years he hated it, and then um, but then he he was just like. Uh, he's come around on it because he's like, I feel like everybody except for Downey was miscast, but um, it captures what the youth culture was like at the time and it, that no other movie has done. So he, he's, he's come around on it. And I like Less Than Zero. But like, but yeah, no, I, I, I understand. Because also the thing is like, Less Than Zero as a book is not like, um, like an anti-drug like message book, like the same way that the movie is. Yeah. And I completely understand why he as a novelist would be like, what the fuck have you done? But like, cause it's like it wasn't obviously his intent, um, yeah. so I get that. But um, I feel like this, and I don't, and I'm not just I don't dislike the movies. I'm not shitting on it. But I think this is like a better example. I think like like this, like Less Than Zero and this are better examples than like, let's say for example, um, Rules of Attraction. Um, yeah. I think it's the one they did. With, yeah, uh, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. Whereas like, uh, where it's it's not bad, but it's just like you can tell, like, I I can tell that Roger Avery liked Brett Easton Ellis's work and was trying to do it, but he didn't have the level of skill that it takes to pull, pull that off as a director. He's a great writer, um, but he couldn't pull it off. Whereas Mary Heron knew how to pull it off and pulled it off fucking brilliantly. Oh yeah. She, she really captures the, 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 the you know, the airy vapid nature of fucking eighties uh, fucking yuppies really well. You know what I'm saying? Which is why I... I mean, like, like, yeah, the satire, but, like, I also am one of the people who who, uh, are thoroughly into the... the, Yeah, this all really happened. You know what I'm saying? But, like, everyone is just so so into their own fucking world and shit that it's just, like, it doesn't fucking matter. Well, that's what I said. I I think that the the reason that it works is because you can interpret it either way. Yeah. there's... Without her saying that they had an intent... I much prefer the idea that like you can read this either way. Like you yeah. can, it's it's all completely literal. It all really happened, or it was all in fucking uh, Patrick Bateman's head. And however you choose, it's like the whole thing of like um, Willem Dafoe, um, his performance uh, in the movie, by all accounts, um, was basically they shot like three versions of everything mm-hmm. that he said. Where like, one that he absolutely believes that Patrick Bateman did it, one that he believes he didn't, and one where he's not sure, and they cut it together, but you don't use the same version from like different spots, so it's like you never completely get the sense of like where he is, and I think that ultimately leads to a better ultimate final product, where yeah. um, that's how you interpret the movie as well, where it's just like you can believe he did it, you can believe he didn't. Or you can just be like, I'm not sure what the fuck is going on. And that's the most interesting version, I think. No, yeah, totally, totally, totally. Um, I don't know. I, I, I do think totally. the, the very end like, is why I always interpret it as being in his head. Is like when he like fucking um, goes in his little rampage that ends with him like on the phone. I was just like, there's no fucking way 
that could have happened and no one would fucking <laughs> like that they wouldn't make the papers and they wouldn't have caught that motherfucker on some camera somewhere like i know new york then it wasn't like new york now but jesus christ well everybody was on cocaine so it was just like well it, it, i'm it, just it, saying like there's cameras i mean presumably at least the buildings that he would in and just shot people down in cold blood <laughs> like so like no it was just like it it, it what it works for me about this movie is just that it it just makes me laugh about how there are people out there who look at Patrick Bateman as a a role model, um and just like you know oh this is my idol and it's like that's funny because in the movie if you if you know you're really paying attention to like how he's portrayed he's such a fucking pathetic piece of shit yeah no that's yeah. why I actually think he's kind of like. The thing, the, the thing that I find relatable about him is like the, I posted uh, the quote when I was younger, um, like when he did his like monologue at the end of the movie, when like he basically goes through the whole thing, where basically it's like I feel nothing, I get nothing out of it, like, just like this, all of this has meant nothing. Yeah. And it's such a nihilistic thing that like that's why I like I, I really liked it at first. Like that's the other thing is like. If you do go through the, um, I mean, I guess no matter how you interpret it, it's it can be read the same way. But um, if you like, definitely go the, the literal route. It's very much, it's very nihilistic. Like yes. the whole thing is, there is no point to any of this. None of this means anything. Like all of these people that were killed, all of the fucking destruction, none of it means shit. Like it doesn't. It didn't affect anything anyone except for the victims otherwise everything goes on as if nothing ever happened no yeah i'm i'm into that you know what i'm saying like uh to, to like i don't know what this says about me but uh, I'm, I'm really into the denialism of it all like you know what I'm saying it's just that n- none of this shit matters because <laughs> we're, we, we're 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 we live in a world where you know what i'm saying it's just who the fuck cares at this point like we all got our own thing going on and it's like you know it's just what makes Bateman such a fascinating character is just that you know he he is everything is basically a mask you know what I'm saying yeah. like his whole personality you know which is why I, I really like you know how like I mean we we're introduced to him already and shit you know what I'm saying but like when he's doing his morning routine and you know like the he he wears two masks but you realize you know what i'm saying like essentially his own face is the mask and shit and his personality and you know he just wants to to matter and shit where in, in a world where nobody gives a shit about like how he keeps getting confused for other people you know what i'm saying what is he the the marcus <coughs> yeah is, he keeps getting confused marcus for <laughs> well no because it also depends on who he's talking to and like how they're like because everybody that's is like I think they, they kind of pick up um, in this. The thing that's even more nihilistic and sociopathic is that nobody in the movie, except for his friends, um, actually know who anybody is. They all think that somebody is somebody else. Yeah. So it's like so that other person basically just doesn't exist. And like that's the whole thing is like that's what I think is actually most kind of fucked up about the whole thing is that he. Is somebody who, as you said, like wants to like whatever, but he does like nobody matters. Like, like all of them, like he even talks about like um, the whole thing of like his girlfriend and his best friend and yes. friend and whatever. All of them are doing horrible things to each other, and nobody cares. Like none of it matters to anybody. 
Right, like, and the way he states that so nonchalantly is just like, uh, uh, she thinks I don't know that she's having an affair with this guy, but I'm actually having an affair with this girl who's engaged to this guy. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, oh, that's just the way of the world. And like, you know, his belief is that. But also, that's to be how fair, the... if you watch that character later in the movie, like that character too, um, yeah. he's with somebody else. Like with that whole point when like yeah. um, he drags the body out, body out, yeah, to each other out. Um, he's with another girl. So like in the end, like I think like that's the whole thing is like. And then and then his character turns out to be gay. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like, when he, yeah. When when uh he, he believes Bateman is coming on to him in the bathroom. Oh I wanted this for so long. You know what I'm saying? That he's like Come. My favorite part is like that, that my favorite part of that dire scene, it's when he's just like he realizes what's happening and he doesn't know what to do. Like he's like he's not even like he's not even angry, he's so afraid. So he like just yeah. goes to the fucking he starts washing his hands. It's just right. like it's like what, what have I done? And then it's right. like, it's, like, where are you going? I had to return some video tapes. Like, yeah, it's so fucking awkward. It's like like, you know, because he has absolutely no idea what the fuck to do. It's like, uh, 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 I have to return some videotapes. You know what I'm saying? And he just bounces. You know? And it's just like, but it's like, yeah, like, everyone in in in, in this world is wearing a mask. Like, they're, they're covering themselves up and shit. And it's like, it, what I love about it is that it's, it's essentially meaning that any one of them could be a fucking psychopath. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just like, you know, Oh, who cares? All are sociopaths. So, like, that's yeah. the thing is, like, I do think it's like the interesting thing. Yeah. Is like when you have those scenes where like um like <laughs> like Bateman says admittedly the worst thing. Um when there's the whole thing where like they're having the conversation where it's just like there are no girls with good personalities. Um but like admittedly, Bateman says the worst thing when he does the Ed Gain quote, but like nothing any of them say is in any way like good or right <laughs> like they're all talking about the most in the most misogynistic terms so it's like i mean none of they're all sociopaths it's just like one is actually murdering people at least we're aware of that one of them is only only one of them is actually murdering people yeah you know what i'm saying but like that we know of like yeah, you know, i'm saying like, yeah because because they all could very well be murderers and shit you know what i'm saying like that's just the way this the, this world is you know what i'm saying like uh, but like, because everyone is just so into their own shit, like, like they don't even realize or, or notice, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, like the fucking, the, the, the girl at the, the, the bartender, uh, girl at the, at the beginning, you know what I'm saying? Where, <laughs> like, these are not good here anymore. It's $25. And he gives her the money and he tells her, you're a fucking ugly bitch. I want to stab you to death and play around in your blood. And she's just like. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, <coughs> that scene would work to, 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 to your point of view where it's just like, uh, that was all in his head. But also, it could be the fact that she's just so into her own world and shit that it's just like, I didn't even hear what this motherfucker just said right now. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just whatever. You know? Um, like I said, like... And the, the, like, the girl later on, like when he like says he's in murders and executions. Yeah. Um, and she's like, do you like it? And he's just like, What? And he's like, well, most of the guys I know that are in mergers and acquisitions don't <laughs> yeah. like it. And like, but like there's that. And then she's like the whole thing where she's just like, I know you don't think much of me, but like I sense a sweetness in you, whatever. And I'm just like, oh, sweetie, like you are the worst judge of character. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, poor thing. 
you know, and, and like the only, the only people who really like know what's going on is the, are, are the victims. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, in Chloe seven you, but like, cause like, she's the only one that like, and even then it's not till the end. Like, yeah. But she's the only one like sees, she doesn't see through it. She just, when presented with the evidence is like, oh shit. Whereas like he literally confesses and nobody believes him. Right. So it's like, she's the only one that actually sees what's going on. Yeah, and I, and and that that's a great point because like the, the people that only really you know notice that like are the ones that sit outside their immediate world like you know the homeless guy, the prostitute, and Chloe Seventy who's the receptionist. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not rich uppity people per se. You know what I'm saying? They all like basically on the mid level. Like you know what I'm saying? Well, except the homeless guy, um, <laughs> which. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, this is really mean, but that's like uh, the funniest scene in the movie to me. Uh, his his uh, murder of the homeless guy, where he's just like, because um, it's, it's it's Bateman trying to find the connection. You know what I'm saying? And which is ruined because the guy touches him. You know, and then like he immediately goes into asshole mode. Like you know how bad you smell. You reek of shit. Which which is is one of the funniest and greatest line deliveries I've ever heard in my life. Um, and then like you know he says I'm sorry I don't have anything in common with you. And then just murders him. You know what I'm saying? Because you know he he could do it. But you know but then he goes a little too far and murders the dog. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like I mean like I wasn't with you anyway. But like damn. Damn, bro, that that was that was harsh, and I'm saying, <laughs> like, well, of course he's a piece of shit. So it's just like, he's he's that immediately shows right there, like how far gone he is and shit. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, you know, it's going into like you know the the John Wick franchise. You know what I'm saying? The, the this whole franchise thought about the murder of a dog. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, kill those motherfuckers and shit. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like. Bateman's cool until he murders the dog, and then it's like, fuck this guy, you son of a bitch. And it was a homeless dog, too, you bastard. You know what I'm saying? Nobody cares about the homeless guy he just murdered, but when he kills the dog and shit, then it's like, you son of a bitch. One thing I also think is funny is, like, um, like speaking of the whole mask thing, where just, like, um, like Justin Thoreau's character, like, his best friend, um, is constantly having these fucking, like, like, whenever he's basically doing dialogue... It's always basically talking about like the what's well, that of the cocaine scene, but like um, whenever he's like around other people, he's always doing like these kind of political monologues with the underprivileged. That dude doesn't he very clearly doesn't give a shit. It's just him saying things so he'll sound like he gives a shit. Yeah, and that's the and also which also Patrick does like it's like throughout like, the movie, which is like there's like, the whole point like when um they say like uh like when um Josh Lucas I want to say the guy I was just gonna say the guy yeah. from Hulk. Um, but like when um he makes the like the uh the, the remark about uh Jewish people, yeah. Um, and Patrick's just like about like cool with the anti-Semitic anti-Semitic remarks. It's like none of them actually, and just like I don't necessarily even know that he will use anything about the Jewish people. It's just like everyone is basically just putting on a show, yeah. And that's the, like that's why I think there's like the, the most it's kind of like the funniest scene in the most fucked up way is uh, when they're all doing the business cards because it's like that's the epitome of them putting on the show where it's just mm. like whoever has the best one essentially wins in their little social circle and mm. they're all basically fucking identical like they're all they all just look like fucking regular business. ass business cards <laughs> but because but to them that's this the status symbol 
Yeah. Like, it's just, it becomes this thing where it's, like, deeply fucking triggering on a fucking truly terrifying level to, like, watch them, like, what, like, their reactions to just fucking business cards. But that's, that's, like, currency to them. Like, it's even more than money. It's just, like, it's, like, because like, I think I also think it's funny. Like, somebody pointed out that, like, they're all, like, successful Wall Street guys, but none of them ever actually do any work that you see throughout the movie. Right, they just sit around and fucking smoking cigarettes and talking shit. But, like, no, I, I, I like that scene a lot because it's, like, like it's all started from, from Paul Allen. Yeah. Uh, where, and, like, he, he's obviously, like, the top dog, like, the, the one that they all envy in, in, in the boardroom and shit in, in the office. And like the way he he passes Justin Theroux his card, it's like he's obviously just passing him his card, but it's just like being like you know Top Dog is so within his DNA by this point, like he makes a show out of it, and he probably doesn't even realize he's doing it. He's oh, like, I know uh, he he definitely realizes he's doing it. I think I do think it's interesting about that character especially is that is the dude who is because you're saying Top Dog, like he's very clearly positioned himself as the alpha in every fucking interaction that you see him in this movie until he gets the axe to the face. Um, But like, that's his whole thing is he's very clearly putting on the show in a way that they all are, but he's just better at it than any of them. Right, like you know, he he. Th- th- that's why I'm like looking at it, like I don't even think he realizes it. Like you know, the way I he makes this. Really, sh- I, I like this like the way like when they do when he goes to dinner with Patrick and he's like I could have gotten a table of Dorsia. Dorsia. And there's oh, that yeah. whole fucking recurring thing throughout the movie. Like that's the ultimate fucking status symbol for them. <laughs> yeah. Like go to Dorsia. That's why like my favorite line is try to get his reservation to Dorsia now, you fucking stupid <laughs> bastard. And he's cutting him up with the axe. No, uh, when, when my my favorite is um when uh, they they they're at the what was it Texarkana, and uh, said I could have got us to table at Dorcia. Patrick goes nobody goes there anymore. <laughs> like you know he's trying, he's trying to undercut it like this is bullshit. You know say shut Which the fuck up. You see it in his eyes like for like a, like a split second he's just like oh god like is that true? Like he's just like so it's like, I do I need to find a new set of symbol? Like what the fuck? Right. No, but like going back to the to the to the whole uh, uh business car thing, like we we see it from Patrick's point. Well, I'm gonna say Bateman because it's weird to say Patrick. <laughs> it's, Patrick almost, it's very close to my name, Patrick Bateman. Patrick, <laughs> like it's very yeah. close to my name. Right, right, right. But when uh we see it from Bateman's point of view, and you see how devastating this whole scenario is to him, you know what I'm saying? Which we which he essentially initiated because you know. Paul Allen pulls out his card, you know what I'm saying? And then he's like, no, I'm going to show my card. And then everybody's showing their card, and it's like, it's like that was like, very nice. And you could tell he's just like, he's steaming. And then like, let's see Paul Allen's card, which, you know, he's glutton for punishment and shit because, you know, he knew that that, that, was, that was going to hurt him, and he did it to himself anyway. But when you see uh, it's uh, Bryce, uh, Justin Theroux's character, when he takes Paul Allen's card. He has that brief moment where you yes. would like he's probably having the same experience right now. No, he definitely looking. is, yes. You can definitely yeah. see it in his eyes that like it hurts him. <laughs> yeah, like uh, it okay. embarrasses yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. And then they 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 just go like, you know, because they they're just in a circle now with like, hey, this is my card. This is my card. But then like you like, let's see Paul Allen's card. Then it's just like, oh 
the the card that puts us all to shame. And it's just like it's like <laughs> you know, and like he he said like, he's even got a watermark <laughs> on it. <laughs> it's like subtle off white coloring. My God, that's a watermark. <laughs> right, and then he's just all like, and then like I like the one dude is like. Patrick, is something wrong? You're shaking. <laughs> You're sweating. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, he is completely devastated. And they all are, and this motherfucker doesn't care because he's just like, oh, you know. But I love it when <laughs> like, Lewis gets a new card later on. That's what basically triggers Patrick to kill him, is it becomes like the nicest card that any of them have ever seen. And it's like right. his, like, that, that's his moment of just like, I have to kill this man. And then, like, to make for a sore balance, but he ends up misreading the situation. <laughs> and it becomes, like, where it's, like, Lewis thinks he's trying to fuck him, and Lewis wants to fuck him, so it just becomes, like, I made a huge mistake. Right, yeah, and it's, like, oh, yeah, that's that's the most devastating thing, because the, the, he's looked upon as the biggest dweeb. Yes. And, you know, like, I like when, like, he goes to, like, touch his suit, and he's, like, your, com- like, your compliment was sufficient enough. Like, you know, how little he thinks of him. You know what I'm saying? And then he comes up with the nicest card ever and shit, and they're all just like, uh, particularly Bateman and shit, who's just like, you have to die now. You know what I'm saying? You you must die. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like, you know, it's, just, it's, it's, it's weird to be sitting there finding the, the hilarity in the situation and shit. Where no, like, that's the whole thing. It's like, that's, that's, again, that's why I think it had to be Barry Heron and Guinevere Turner <laughs> doing it, because they had an understanding of what Brendan Easton Ellis was doing, or at least what I believe he was doing, um, in a way that I don't, don't think any of the other people who worked on the movie and dropped out did, in that where it's like, it is all, it's all so insane that it's hilarious. But yeah. it's also totally real. Like in those, like that thing, like the whole, the whole point when he's like fucking dragging out the corpse in the overnight bag, yeah. And like Lewis asks him, where he's just like, "Where did you get the overnight bag?" It's like Jean Paul Gaultier. <laughs> it's like it's like that. He, even he's even using as a coffin. He's using like a status symbol, even in that regard. Like it's, from top to bottom, that's all these people care about, mm. and that's what makes it. I think really, it's really funny. But it's also really pathetic. But none of them would ever see it as being pathetic. To them, this is like what like this is the pinnacle of like wealth and privilege. Mm. And it's like you don't realize how fucking stupid it is if you're outside of that bubble. But I think I think that like Mary Heron and Gwyneth Turner got perfectly is that we're laughing at them. Like it's at yeah. no point, like no point in the movie are they treated in any way as being like sympathetic or like likable or anything. It's just, like, they're like, they're pieces of shit. Like yeah. we don't like them. And like, it's, it's a disappointment that Patrick doesn't kill them. Although I do love for all of Patrick's kill scenes, um, where it's like, he'll monologue about music beforehand. And like, it's like, it, it all of it is very revealing to his character, which I think is really cool. Because the, the the whole um, the first one, the Paul Allen one, is basically talking about uh, Huey Lewis the news, but like putting it through the lens of like he's about like, the importance of trends. That's the whole thing. Is like, they're the whole point in the movie, like in the beginning of the movie, where like um, Reese Witherspoon's character is asking him why he doesn't just quit because like you don't like. He's like I want to fit in. It's like in the end, that's all that matters to him, like more than anything. 
It's like right. more than the girl, more than anything, that's what matters is being a part of this group and being part of the elite. Right. Beyond like, that, he doesn't care. Yeah, that, that that that's his whole thing. It's like he thinks that this is exactly how it's supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the mask and shit, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like Patrick Bateman the killer is who he really is. But, you know the, they, but then you go to the next kill scene. Uh, well, I guess not the kill scene because he doesn't kill them till he only hurts them both in this situation. But next time he monologues about music, it's basically talking about how uh, Phil Collins um, is the guy of Genesis. Like before, before Phil Collins joined or was like the frontman of Genesis, they were like it, it was bullshit. And he's like now that like they have this strong frontman now, like whatever. They're kind of showing his evolution. Where it's like now he's he's seeing himself as like the guy, right? And like that's the thing is I also think is really like interesting. Where it's like you're watching that kind of that's what because that whole scene, I mean it's it's him fucking these girls is not in any way about fucking at all because yeah. the whole time it's about him watching himself in the mirrors and videotaping the situation, but the actual sex is irrelevant like it's like mm -hmm. he doesn't care like it's just like it's just for his own edification like it's just to make him look better and feel better about himself yeah can i also point out that uh one of the just the, the, the funniest things ever is the fact that this whole scene takes place to susudio and uh, i don't know if i've ever told this story but uh um it, it's it's a legendary story in 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 within my family but um uh well uh i was a child like very much child like i was a baby like maybe two um my uh my mother told me my father would uh, after a hard day of work would come home and he you know kind of chill out to music he, he put on some records and just you know relax you know you know Settle down, you know what I'm saying? Because the day was stressful, so he just come on, play some tunes and shit. He just mellow out, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, and she said that uh, she always told me because I, I got told the story multiple times uh, that he would mellow out, particularly to Phil Collins' record, like a particular Phil Collins' record. And that uh, one day while she was cleaning, um, I had gotten away and I had wandered into the record collection. And I had grabbed this particular Phil Collins record and I snapped it in half. And he came home, hard day at work, wanting to mellow out, put on his favorite Phil Collins record, and it was broken. And he was devastated, she said. That, that, that he was nearly driven to tears by this act. Um, for years, <laughs> I had always assumed it was in the air tonight. Because... That's a great mellow out record. You know what I'm saying? I, I would mellow out. Talk about murder. I know, I know it is, but like, you know, it's, it shows how much I, you know, saying, like, what does that say about me? Um, but like, you know, it's it's great, it's great tunes. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I, know, you know, I love the song, but it's just like, the whole, if, if you told me you were drowning, I would not lend a hand. Like, <laughs> It's weird. It's weird how like you know the songs that you 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 know they, they go back to the '80s like uh, every breath you take and shit like you know for another example. Which it's is like, really fucking funny because I remember like um every like I, I people like they're being like, their wedding song and shit. I first heard that song 
and I was like, oh, so it's about Jason. Like, I was just like, when I was a kid, I was like, because that's, like, cause it, I instantly heard, it was a perspective of, like, a fucking serial killer, like a fucking slasher, mm-hmm. like, where it's, like, a guy following a girl. But, like, people were interpreting it as being romantic. <laughs> it's not romantic. Right. That's why and, I love that Sting was like somebody was like saying it was like their wedding song. Sting's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like that's the way a lot of people fucking interpret it. Right, like there's a lot of songs like that where it's just like you know you actually pay attention to the lyrics and it's like, oh my god, this is fucking awful. I mean, you know, it's still a great song, but it's just like you know. So going back, I, I had just believed, uh, assumed that it was uh, in the air tonight that he was mellowing out to. And then uh, I mentioned that to my mother after she told the story again. And she was like, no, I wasn't in the air tonight. And I was like, what Phil Collins song? Uh, was, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I was mentioning songs. She's like, no, it was Susudio. And I was like, <laughs> he would come home and mellow out to Susudio? Like, it was just, it was just the most, like, the, the weirdest thing ever. Like, no, somebody I coming home and just that. like. I can top that. I used to fall asleep in high school to Slayer's Rain in Blood. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's just like, Susudio? You know? And like, that just, I just found that fucking hilarious. And then, um, then to, to, to finally watch uh, uh, American Psycho and like, it's having this fucking, just this, this, this. I mean, because it's like it's a sex scene, but it's the most unerotic uh, sex scenes yes. ever. Because you know the eroticism, there is no eroticism because that's not the point in the scene, as as you were stating. Um, and it's just the fact that it's taking place to Susudio just makes it funny to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you know, in context of like you know this 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 family story I have, and uh, years later. Um, I was helping my father do something in the house and he was in the back and I went into the living room and American Psycho was playing and that particular scene <laughs> came on and I was like, Pop! Pop, come here! I want to show you something! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But by the time he came and shit, it was, it was over. They had finished fucking. I was like, ah, you missed it. You know what I'm saying? He's like, what? And I was like, you have to be there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can't, I can't tell you because it, it, it's, it's not funny if I tell you. You just have to have seen it for yourself. You know? I, I've, I've told him uh, for years now, I'm going to buy him. I'm gonna find a, a record of, you know, the Susudio and the, you know to replace it. And he's like, how the fuck I'm gonna listen to it? <laughs> I have a turntable. And I was like, it's it's the thought that counts. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm replacing something that, uh, you it's know, not it's not like, like you can get one on Amazon for like forty bucks. Like it's it's fine. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's just like. I mean, like, 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 like we were saying, like the scene is 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 crazy enough for the fact that you know it's it's a, it's a full on threesome that that is just the most unironic thing you have ever seen because it's not about you know sex, it's about his you know status. You know what I'm saying? Like, because it shows ego. him what, yeah, because it shows him watching porn uh, prior to that. You know what I'm saying? And he's just like, like. This 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 is what happens, you know what I'm saying? So I have to do it, you know what I'm saying? It's just like it makes him feel like a like a like a rock star, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm having sex on camera, you know. Saying it's like he's not even paying attention to them. It's like the way he just keeps flexing to himself in the mirror, like pointing at himself, like yeah, you're the guy, yeah. You know, also like when uh he's like, why don't you dance a little, you know? It's like, so Sabrina, don't just stare at it, eat it. 
You know, say so bend over so she can see your asshole. And it's like I also we we I know we talked about Bale already and shit, but it's just like every line delivery of of his is just the, the one of the greatest line deliveries ever. There there is not a point in this movie where it's just like uh, he's not as good as here and shit. He is pitch perfect. Oh yeah. You know, say and then which leads to something I wanted to bring up. We were talking about this off mic was uh, his inspiration for uh capturing the performance because like i know he had stated that like he wanted to do the movie but he doesn't he didn't know where he could see the performance from like where he was going to be coming from as a performer until he saw an interview with tom cruise um where what was the the statement that it was an intense friendliness with nothing behind the eyes yeah um like i know there has been some disputes because it was mary heron who said that that uh you know bail told her that and she said it was a um an interview that uh, uh with letterman that tom cruise has and, she, uh, yeah, and they, i thought it was the tonight show but yeah either way yeah which was um from, from what i heard I, I saw some people actually like try to you know go like the timeline and said it may have been <clears throat> one of i think his second interview on the rosie o'donnell show which would make sure. sense because that interview was uh, in 1998, which would they would have been in like pre-production on other uh, uh, movies, like you know when they were attempting to do it the first time, um, uh, Mary Heron and Christian Bale, and like they and I watched that interview and it's just like yeah, I think it makes sense that it was this one, you know, because like people there, there's one particular. Uh, interview that people keep going to, and it was like, no, that's too early because that was in the '80s, and like he was still felt like kind of genuine in there. This was like, you know, what I'm saying before, like the the mega, like I mean, because he was a star in the '80s that after um, Top Gun. I mean, I was, he was a star before that. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, no, no. See, he's been a star since, since Risky Business. No, but here's the thing: is like, it, it was like, like you know like a, a kind of step up thing where it's like after risky business, it was like, Hey, it's that guy from risky business. I like that guy. I think it was where top gun came out where he became, that's Tom Cruise. You know what I'm saying? I don't like, know. I was, I was, I was born the year the fucking risky business came out. So I can't be like, Oh no, the, the culture of the time we knew Tom Cruise's name. I was like, at most, I was like an infant. Like, so it's like, I have no recollection of where, like, by the time the Top Gun came out, I was like a toddler. <laughs> so it's not like I can be like, ah, yes, when Tom Cruise became part of the lexicon. Like, I have no fucking, all I know about like that era was uh, my dad had Top Gun on a tape. Um, I want to say it was the same situation as like your dad, where I think it was like, the same tape as Karate Kid. And I want to watch Karate Kid. So I would have to like fast forward through Top Gun to like get to Karate Kid because I did not care about Top Gun at all. Um, and it wasn't actually until, like, um, I want to say I was in, like, my, like, early 20s, mid-20s, that I actually started, like, appreciating Top Gun, because, like, when I first watched Top Gun, I was like, everyone looked at how exciting this movie is. It's really kind of fucking boring. Like, I was just, like, really, like, there's, like, it's a lot of, there's, like, a, even, like, the planes, there's no music, it's just kind of, like, whatever. It took me, like, years before I was, like, oh, this is awesome. I completely get it now, but I was just, like, it was kind of like the Jaws thing, where it was, like, I just didn't get it, and then once I got it, I was, like, oh, okay, rock on. I, like, locked into it. Nah, nah, I feel you. But, like, yeah, it was, like, there was, uh, because he had already done uh, The Outsiders. Yeah. And then it was Risky Business. Taps. He which... did Taps as well. Oh, taps. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, and, uh, homie Mac is is a huge fan of of, of taps. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> uh, so I'm very like I've, I've seen taps many times because of Mac because his absolute love for taps. Um, it is what it is. He also uh, Top Gun is his all time favorite movie. So it's just like, you know, you see why uh, Tom Cruise is his favorite movie star because of these <laughs> you know these movies. But like yeah, there there was there was that the Outsiders taps. And then Risky Business comes out, you know, and it puts him on the map, basically. And then there's what, uh, All the Right Moves. I was thinking uh, that was before, but I could be wrong. I did, like, the same time, I believe. Okay. But, um, and then Legend. Uh, as, as, as Although, to be fair, I don't think Legend made money. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I loved it when I was, because it came out when I was, like, a little kid, and I watched it on WPAX, like, a lot. And, like, yeah. I loved it. It's why to this day, whenever there's that, that like, prompt of, like, like you can tell a lot about a person by what they recognize Tim Curry from, and I was like, "Fucking legend, dude!" Like I was just like, "That's that's what I, I didn't know it was Tim Curry for years after, but like I, it's always my favorite role of his." No, like, do, 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 do you not remember the tweet that, that that I posted where I said that for years I thought that uh, uh, Darkness from Legend was actually played by Brian Thompson, uh, the the Night Slasher from Cobra, um, and like it looks like him because yeah, yes, but to be fair. And I don't mean this in any way as an insult, because I like Brian Thompson. Brian Thompson could not lace fucking Tim Curry's boots. Like Brian Thompson is nowhere near ter- Tim Curry's level. Hey, but I was a child. I didn't fucking know any better. Um, so it's just like that was my belief that, uh, hey, the Night Slasher was great where he played the big horn guy in Legend. It's like, oh no, that's Tim Curry. And I was like, for real? God damn, Tim Curry! What a master. You know what I'm saying? But, like, yeah, for years, I was like, that's a Night Slasher. But, um, yeah, and then after that was uh, Top Gun and shit, when it's like, you can, in Top Gun, you could pinpoint the moment where Tom Cruise becomes megastar Tom Cruise with the, because I was inverted. You know what I'm saying? No, I feel like even before that, I feel like it was, like, the moment when he's on the bike and, like, the um, the plane's taken off. I feel like that's an iconic image. Like, I feel like that, because for, for years, I had even seen Top Gun. I had just kept seeing that scene. Like, that scene was, like, in, like when I thought of Top Gun, that was the first thing I thought. That's why I thought it was funny when they did Maverick, which you haven't seen. But they do the shot, essentially, again. And I was just like, okay, at least... Okay, I'm not going to go to it. But, like, I was going to say, like, at least Maverick isn't as fan servicey. Whatever, it's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> no, like, with, with the... To, to me, like, it's the moment where, like, uh, when he's, like, you know, because I'm inverted, you know what I'm saying, like... And uh, uh, she knows, like, oh, like, yeah, so, you, so, so you're him. Yes, ma'am. And then, like, you know, class is over. He stands up and he shoots at that 2,000-watt, uh, uh, megawatt smile while putting on the aviator shades. And, like, that's the moment he became, like, a, a megastar in Hollywood. Was that... Oh, the, I will the... say, think, watching the movie again, it's funny how, like, um, because they were so desperate to hide Tom Cruise being short, yeah. his height wildly fluctuates from scene to scene. Where it's like he's eye to eye with Anthony Edwards. He's eye to eye with Val Kilmer. Two men who are not the same height. So it's like all of these things, like they're so desperate to like make him look tall. That like they just like that's why like it was funny when they got to like uh fucking Maverick, where I feel like he finally doesn't care anymore. Um so like there's scenes where like it's very clear that Rooster is much taller than him. And I was just like, it's funny how much Tom Cruise has matured <laughs> because of the time when that man would be on a fucking Apple box and like you're goddamn, there's no fucking way this kid is fucking taller than me. I don't care about real life. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, 
Well, it's just funny too with Top Gun and shit that uh, he's actually the the height requirement out of all the actors and shit to actually fly because uh, there was there was something I had to break to Mac because because of Top Gun, Mac wanted to be a fighter pilot like like in Top Gun, and it was like I mean a lot of people did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The front of that call is like Navy fucking recruitment to like skyrocket. Yeah. Like, like, I like Tony Scott's uh, like uh, uh, statement afterwards. He was like, you know, everyone joined the Navy thinking they was going to be an awesome fighter pilot, and they ended up in some fucking boat in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, watching the fucking thing. So, you know, what I'm saying it's like <laughs> that, that was that was the legacy of Top Gun and shit. Motherfuckers thinking they're going to be Maverick and shit, and just cleaning the fucking uh, the, the, the 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 fighter jet runway and the, shit. The other legacy being intense homoeroticism. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Which uh, Mac uh, doesn't believe exists. Well, no, I can uh, actually tell you. Like, I think I've told you the story, but like, um, I remember I like my old roommate. Um, I once told the story of basically like how Top Gun is a homosexual parable, and um, he was like, "Can we watch it?" Because he'd never seen it before. And I was like, "Okay, we watched it." And then like I was telling my tattoo artist about it, who's a gay man, and like my tattoo artist was sitting at the table drawing. And, like, the second I got the phrase, we watch Top Gun together, um, his fucking pencil comes up, and his head comes up. He's like, you watch Top Gun together? And I was like, yeah. He's like, did you hold hands? And I was just like, I was like, oh, so you know it's a gay film, too. He's like, it's a very gay film, dude. And I was just like, that's what I said. No, yeah, totally. Matt, uh, Mac doesn't believe that, though. Um, he, he, he's, he's still, he's still in the closet of denial uh, about the, accepting That's that top, yeah, accepting that the Top Gun is a gay film, but yeah, it's, um, I always found that, uh, like hilarious that, uh, Christian Bale found like, you know, that's where the role of Patrick Bateman clicked for him. He watched the interview with Tom Cruise and it was like, that's it right there. That's Patrick Bateman. And like, you know, that just intense friendliness with nothing behind the eyes it's just like yeah that's not gonna get him i feel like not just tom cruise i feel like most people that are intensely friendly there's nothing behind the eyes like it's like it's it's very much a performance and that's that's why i do think um like i know like i know that like obviously i'm although to be fair i honestly don't think tom cruise gives a shit as i said like at this point like i don't think he like gives a shit what people have to say i think i feel like after um, the whole fucking, um, like, Katie Holmes era. I think yeah. he kind of stopped giving a fuck about what people said about him. Um, but, like, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, I feel like... <clears throat> I don't necessarily think that he's, like... Like, I think that makes him a good actor. Because, like, yes, he was acting. Like, he was putting on a show, on a talk show, like, whatever... Um, but it's also the same thing as like, it's like why like certain people are really good on talk shows and some people aren't, where it's like, I feel like, because like that thing is like, I think Tom Cruise is also just like a really good like salesman. Um, and that's the thing is like, again, it's another situation where it's like, I feel like it's, it's intense friendliness. And the thing is basically, it's almost like a shark. <laughs> like it's just like, it's intense friendliness, but like your eyes have rolled over black. <laughs> like it's just like, um, cause you're a predator at that moment. Um, but like, I do think it probably, yeah, it's like, I'm sure Tom Cruise probably wasn't thrilled when he heard that, but also, I mean, I guess I doubt he cares, but, um, it's also like, I feel like to like, it's Christian Bale finding that is funny just because if you like look at Christian Bale, 
in those situations, he's intensely awkward. Like, if you watch him in any kind of interview situation, he's a very awkward dude. Um, which I don't think is a bad thing, but I think that's like that's why he's a good actor. Is because like he like, like that's like the thing. It's like there's like two different classes of actor. Where there's like the guys who are like stars who like can sell their shit, um, like Tom Cruise, and be like very like friendly and like outgoing and like make you like want to see their movie. If you don't know anything about it, you don't care. And then there's people like Christian Bale who are such a good actor that like their performance is amazing. But like when you try to like put them on the spot with them as a real person, they just are like, yeah, yeah no, that's, those, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are the guys who don't care about being movie stars. It's, yeah. it's all about the performance. It's just like, another example is like Killian Murphy. Yeah. Like you, see, you see him in interviews and you just like, you can see he does not want to be there yes. at all. Like, you know, they don't give a shit about selling the movie. Like their obligation is done. They gave the performance. And then like, now we have to go on interview circuits and shit. And it's just like, like Bale, you could tell he's just like, okay, let's get this over with. You know what yes. I'm saying? Like, ask ask me your questions. And uh, I remember there was one interview. This was an early interview where someone made a reference to American Psycho to him. I forgot what he was promoting. It may have been Batman. They was like, oh, thank you for joining. But I got to go return some videotapes. And he goes, yeah, I know that line. Like, <laughs> just like there was a bit of annoyance there. Like, oh, get the fuck away from me, dude. Um, uh, kill of course, Killian Murphy. Every fucking interview he does and shit. Uh, the it's just like Killian Murphy meme. I love like when like somebody asked him about it. He's like, "What's a meme?" And then they're like, he they explained what a meme was. Like, well, how do you, what do you feel about it? He's like, "I guess I'm happy to know what a meme is." <laughs> like, you know, just like so, yeah. Like, it's like yeah. That thing is like I mean, that's the thing. That's why I don't really like. I don't necessarily give shit to Tom Cruise for being the way that gave Christian Bale like the kind of the way into the character. Because I feel like that just—he's a good like that he's he's a dude who that's his job, and he realizes that, and that's why he like does it. So I don't necessarily feel like it makes him a shitty person, and I feel like if I hope that he would interpret that way, where like it's it definitely sounds like a shitty thing to say, like intense friendliness or something behind the eyes, but like I would hope that he would interpret it as being like I was selling a movie and therefore I was being a salesman and therefore kind yeah. of disingenuous and like that's and, I, and then again it's, that's that plays very well as far as like the patrick bateman character and all of the characters really in american psycho because like all of them have that quality like not just patrick bateman all of them have that quality yeah it's just a differing extents but it's in every like i said like um like Thoreau's character is like presenting himself as somebody who cares deeply about social causes and he doesn't give a fuck. You can see it in his fucking face. He just reads the news so he can sound like he gives a fuck. And then like for that matter, um, Patrick's girlfriend is the most like vapid fucking girl in the world, but she's the fucking, um, in the ACLU like whatever. It's just like all of these people are selling you an image of themselves that mm -hmm. they want you to believe. And it's not true in any case. And I think all that's why I think the whole cast from top to bottom is great to differing extents. But like, I do think the fact that this made Christian Bale a star was 100% deserved yeah. um, because he figured it out to an extent that I feel like, I don't know that necessarily everybody interpreted the character or would have interpreted the characters that the way, because I know like, I think it's funny is like a, I remember hearing a story where um, on set, everyone thought 
he fucking sucked and was fucking crazy. Um, and we're like, why the fuck did she fight so hard for him? Like about Mary Heron. They like, I remember, like, I heard that story about like Josh Lucas, and I think Thoreau, uh, but definitely Josh Lucas. But then they saw the movie and they were like, oh, and like, they, they finally, they got it. But I think the thing is like, I think that because Christian Bale was approaching it from like a real life place, mm. where like he saw Tom Cruise do this in real life, yeah, it served him better and makes him feel the most real of the movie. But also, I think it's a situation also where it might be like, um, like the Carrie situation, where um, the, like Brian De Palma knew what he was doing with yeah. uh, Piper Laurie. Piper Laurie, this thought she was doing like this over the top, like performance, like comedically. I think she still thinks that way. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's like, whereas I think um, I do think Mary Harron and. Um, Christian Bale were on the same page, yeah. but also I don't think anyone else was. <laughs> like I think everybody else thought that they were just fucking crazy until they saw the finished product. Um, but no, I think that like literally, I think across the board, like, everybody is great. I think the script is great. I think the direction is great. Like I think that like Christ, I mean, even breaking it down, like um, like when they do shift in like scarier modes, it is it is legitimately like tense. Like there's, and even if it doesn't really actually mean anything, I think it's, like, it's almost like the kind of like the psycho thing. Like it's like, um, I remember, um, I think I talked about it in the psycho episode, but um, like John Landis talking about psycho, like the moment like when um he's dumping uh the car in the swamp and it stops sinking, and we as an audience are like, oh no, he'll get caught. Um, it's kind of a similar thing with um Patrick, where it's just like, as kind of things get kind of worse and worse you're still with him like the entire time i think that speaks really well to that but i think i also think that like it's at least a scenes like there's that one scene when he goes back to jared leto's apartment and um he's gonna like clean up the bodies and it's perfect it's like yeah. it's all like nothing has ever happened and um he's talking to the lady who is showing the place and um she's like you saw the ad in the times and he's like, no, yes, I saw the ad in the Times. He's like, there was no ad in the Times. Please leave and don't come back. And yeah. he's like, okay. Um, but like, that scene is very tense. So it's like, and it's because as an audience member, A, you don't know whether or not this is real or not, but also yeah. B, you're like, oh no, he'll get caught. And it's like the whole movie, you're like, oh no, he'll get caught because you're so interested in him as a character which I think is fucking brilliant on both Mary Heron's part as a director and Christian Bale's part as an actor, yeah. where this reprehensible piece of shit human being, you would 100% are behind him the entire time. Like the entire times, all the scenes Willem Dafoe. It's like as fucking great as Willem Dafoe is, you're like rooting against Willem Dafoe finding out what he did um, because you don't want anything bad to happen to Patrick. And it's like, it's just so fucking well done. And I do love um, also... Um, the whole stuff with like Chloe Sevigny's character, where um, she is like kind of in a weird way the heart of the movie, um, and <laughs> I just love the way she is like she has this crush on her boss. It's so cute, but her boss is a fucking psycho, and like I love the scene when like he asks her out and they're in the apartment. <laughs> he has the fucking nail gun in the back of her head, unbeknownst to her. But she's like fucking, like still just the sweetest person in the world. And that's I think I feel like that's like the reason he ultimately 
doesn't end up killing her is like not that he suddenly discovered empathy or whatever, but just because there's like the one person that he recognized, or though I guess the one creature, because even the dog, he doesn't fucking care. Like the yeah. one like creature where he has some level of like, I don't even know if it's like pity or sympathy, but like whatever, like he actually like feels something for her on some level and he just can't do it. I think that's actually kind of the most interesting part of the entire movie. Cause I think the start of like his like arc of redemption because he gets, he just gets worse. <laughs> he goes on a fucking rampage after that. But like, it just is a weird, beautiful scene in the midst of the movie. And I just, yeah, I think everything from top to bottom is just fucking perfect. Like I just, I, I mean, or I guess I can't say perfect. Cause again, like I like the reason that I kind of take a little bit away is because of the way like they've made it clear that they had an intent and like, that's not, it makes it less interesting of a movie. But, like, the movie itself, I think, is fucking great from top to bottom. Like, I love everything about it. No, same, same, same. Uh, can't say the same for American Psycho 2. I never saw that, so I, I have no, I didn't care. It's, like, I, it's, like, it's the whole era when they did, like, um, like GTV sequels, either for action movies or for um, horror movies. And it's, like, there was many cases where I was just, like, I don't need more i got all i needed from that movie i just that's why i think i mean to this day like um there's movies that i know you guys in uh action twitter fucking love that i have no interest in whatsoever like when they did like um like hard target 2 i'm like i don't need more hard target i'm fine with the amount of hard target i got so, like i was like why is there more hard target that doesn't make any sense to me yeah it uh i've seen it and i know uh, you have <laughs> i mean not by choice i was actually forced to, to see it because uh uh my ex alex may she rest in peace um was a huge fan of uh, Mila Kunis, which uh, is not aged well. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and she she was a fan of the movie show. She was like, oh, you got to watch this. And I was like, I have no interest in watching a sequel to American Psycho 2. I mean, to American Psycho. Like, no, no, come on, come on, come on. And I watched it, and it's just like, oh, God, this is... This is, this is... And, like, it's, 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 it's obvious that, uh, you know, finding out that... Um, this was the case because it's obvious that uh, this was like altered to to make it a sequel, and if I, it was and shit because it was shot as one thing, and then Lionsgate was like, you know what would make this work better if this was a sequel to American Psycho, it did not work better. It, uh, it was just like it was like when they tried to make a fucking franchise out of Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, yeah. and it's like we don't need this. Uh, the the first one was sufficient enough. Um, and we definitely didn't need it for like, cause it, Let's you know, it. these days you gotta have a sequel. All right, and we're back with our Speaking second... Speaking of feature. unnecessary sequels, but go ahead! <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, our, our second feature uh, on our uh, New York terror, uh, I guess. Uh, I mean, there, there are other... 
we uh, and the te- terror is a strong word <laughs> like for Americans like going Ghostbusters. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't really know that you can call that fucking New York horror comedy is probably more accurate. Yeah, that is true. Um, but yes, we are talking about 1984's Ghostbusters. Got to be specific. I mean, even though like the 2016 is the Ghostbusters answered the call. Um, oh, yeah, they they try to uh, differentiate that real quick after the release of that one. Um, but yeah, uh, Ghostbusters. Um, my first uh, all time favorite movie. Um, until uh, years later, I saw Rocky. And that took the number one spot. Ghostbusters is still number two, though. Um, it is a film that uh, has shaped uh, my 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 sense of humor as well. Like you know the 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 smartass. So I, like I, I, my mother used to call me a smartass all the time. And I was like, it's your fault. Is you for fucking showing me Ghostbusters all the goddamn time? So I'd stay still. Like literally, um, I was a hyperactive child. Uh, would would not sit still at all. Just bouncing around everything, tying uh, uh, towels around my neck and jumping off the, the dresser, pretending I was Superman. Uh, parents were not happy at all by all this. And the only thing that would get me to calm down in my, my young age was watching Ghostbusters. So they'd be like, Rob, you want to watch Ghostbusters? Yeah! <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> mommy would put on the tape. Um, I sit there Indian style in the middle of the floor watching Ghostbusters and then it was over. Mommy, it's over. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. She pressed rewind. Here, watch it again. And then like I would just sit there and watch it again. Which probably should have shaped the way why I um I constantly rewatch movies. Um as you know at the time of this recording, I just discovered the amazingness of uh Toby Hooper's spontaneous combustion. A movie that I watched three times back to back last night at the time of this Just recording. Fucking lunatic behavior. <laughs> no, but it's like that. That had to have been the, the start of it because no, because ma- because I did the same thing. But it was like because it was basically like my babysitter. Um, I remember we just put on shit basically to like keep. I mean, I guess it was keep all of us, but like mostly, I guess me, uh, quiet. Because like I remember like there was like one day where like we just like basically kind of watched um, Adventures of Babysitting on a Loop. Um, because it was like, I was enthralled. So it was just like, it was like the one time when I sat down and shut up. So like, <laughs> but it's like now it's like, oh, I, I guess there is sometimes where I've been in movies where I've been like, if they would start that again right now, I would not be mad. Um, uh, like, like a recent example was like, uh, Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Um, like if they were like, let's watch it again. I'd be like, Yeah. And I scream six, and I'm like, yeah! Like, so I guess that there is times. Like, most of the time, I'm like, once I've watched something, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm good for, like, a day at least. Like, and then maybe I'll watch it again tomorrow. <laughs> right. Uh, the, the, I understand that uh, wholeheartedly, because yesterday I was like, uh, hey, Rob, you, you want to watch Spontaneous Combustion again? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that movie was fucking great. Oh, <laughs> Don't worry, this is not going to be uh, the, the 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 infamous uh, Prince of Darkness episode from House of Screams, where all I could talk about was the movie about the beach that makes you old. I will literally get off this fucking call <laughs> and never <laughs> speak to you again. I seriously considered when you were doing that. I was like, so 
how about we not talk for a while? How does that sound? How about we just we just how about we just don't know each other for like the foreseeable future? How does that sound? <laughs> like, wait, 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 wait. But um, no, yeah. Uh, I was I was obsessed with Ghostbusters. Um, I mean, as a kid in the eighties, you know what I'm saying. I mean, I was kid for you know. I mean, a significant section, but not much because I was born in eighty four. Yeah, um, yeah, where where Ghostbusters actually came out in eighty four. <laughs> But uh, uh, there was the, the, the cartoon series, the real Ghostbusters, which was my real obsession, to, to, to be honest. It is um, funny. Like, you and my brother have the exact same thing where it's just like uh, – because like, I like Ghostbusters, but like um, my brother had like, the thing where it's like he was obsessed like, with Ghostbusters. Like, he watched like, – we, we, we both watched the movie a bunch. But like I remember watching the, the real Ghostbusters a little bit, but like he was obsessed with it. <laughs> Nah, that's still that's still a pretty good fucking show. Though, I like think the... so because uh, I remember JMS wrote for it, so like that does stand to reason that if J. Michael Straczynski was a writer on it, I say I would believe that it was a good show. I, I think he was like uh, for a point, he was the head writer of the show. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and then fucking uh, the network decided to implement changes, and he was like, "Fuck this, I'm out of here." You know what I'm saying? When they turned into Slimer and the real Ghostbusters, that's when it all went to shit. Um, but yeah, like uh, um. I fucking had everything like I was a slave to 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 this to, to this IP where uh I had Ghostbusters bed sheets, I had Ghostbusters underoos, um the shirts, uh, uh book bag uh was Ghostbusters themed. Um I had like the toys, like I had the like the firehouse and the Ectomobile and the Ecto two and uh you know, of course, the backpack with the trap and the fucking. Um, I'm sorry, uh, you mean the, the proton pack, sir? Is that what you're referring to? Is the proton yes. pack? Yeah, the you know the one with the with the the yellow foam that yes. you could imagine. Like they still the make street. that shit because um my niece. It's funny how well this movie is held up because my niece, who um is I believe six or seven, um but she um. Also, fucking loves Ghostbusters, and she was, she was. My brother was born the year this came out, so obviously she was not born anywhere in the vicinity of when of like, she was not alive. They were in the vicinity of the Ghostbusters original release, but like now she's watching it, and it's she's still fucking super into it. So like it, it I mean, I will say that that's the thing about this movie, like it, 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 it'll definitely. It, it, for some reason, it was funny because it was not made for kids. Oh but, like, no, the it was not. It has over kids is insane yeah that's what i was gonna say that uh there's a reason there's another reason why uh this film works well with american psycho because vinkman is essentially one himself um uh his constant harassment of females uh particularly the fact that uh, how many cc's of what was it thorzine he had uh, on his person in which he used to uh knock dana barrett out it's like oh i just gave her th- this amount of like why do you have that on you on your person Back off, man. He's a scientist. A date rapist. That's what he is. <laughs> yes, like, 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 it's it's weird to, to grow older and then realize and shit. Fucking um, uh, characters you, you very much enjoyed as, as a kid are just terrible people. You know, same as what it's like. Uh, I, I know this this pains you. Is like uh, uh, my five star review of uh the Breakfast Club was like uh, being an adult is realizing. <laughs> Bender is an, an incredible piece of shit. <laughs> you are an incredible piece of shit. 
Yes. <laughs> it's not fun if you agree. <laughs> I, I, I remember. I, where, where, which um, uh, did you go to where uh, you said um, leading up to the double, you listened to my uh, first episode of Schlock and All where we did uh, Weird Science and uh, uh, Frankenstein. And you were listening to what, the, what I was saying with um, to Lindsay about because uh, we started talking about Breakfast Club, and he was just like, "How dare you!" <laughs> I want to say when I was going to ambulance and fire starter, but I could be wrong. I think that was it though. Yeah, and it was just like <laughs> I just got a text from you because you had texted me to show that you were listening to it in the car while waiting for the show to begin, and then you text me later and talk about like, "You son of a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> You're 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 a bastard for what you're saying about Bender. You know, but like, yeah. Then I realized that, uh, yeah, Vakeman is kind of a piece of shit him, there himself. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the, the way he uses his friends and shit, and the way he's harassing these females, and it's just like Vakeman is an awful person. And then, like, you know, um, uh, they, they I guess they try to make him lighter after the uh, what was it? The the animated show became such a hit. And then we get the because that's the, that's a big thing. Like going back to what I was saying about like how I was obsessed with Ghostbusters. Like I had everything. Um, I had fucking uh, the uh, Ghostbusters pencil sharpener, um, and like an eraser and shit, and a, like a pencil accessory. Like you would you would hook onto your pencil that that I think it had like Slimer on it, and the, the pencil sharpener was the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Like if it, if it was Ghostbusters theme, I had it. Let's just, just let's just be fucking clear, like like you know what I'm saying. God bless my parents, you know what I'm saying for realizing that and just going all out to make sure that I had everything Ghostbusters. Um, I and I remember vividly uh, being in school. This was '89, and uh, I got word from the teacher that my parents were there to pick me up, and you know I was shocked, like leaving school early. What is this madness? You know, saying years later, I'd be like, oh, yes, please, someone take me out of school. You know, this place sucks. Um, and then they, they, they brought me and my, they put, picked me and my sister up and they took us to, to the house to drop off our bags. And they took us to, I believe it was the, the theater on 84th or 82nd. I can't remember which. And um, it was to see Ghostbusters 2. And I was really excited. Like, Ghostbusters 2, yeah! You know what I'm saying? And I remember the theater was packed. We had to sit in the front row. Uh, but I didn't care. I was watching Ghostbusters 2. And then uh, years later, now I watch Ghostbusters 2, and it's like one of the fucking worst sequels ever. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not going that far. But, I mean, the, the only thing I will say is, like, the thing I realized... I'm exaggerating. Uh, uh, the thing I realized like, when I watched... Because um, for the, the purposes of this, I watched Ghostbusters again. Um, I mean, not that I really have to, because I watched it a bunch when I was a kid. Oh yeah, uh, it was thing. it was funny though. The thing I will say is funny is like um, the, the the example I always point to of like why you don't tell kids like not to say something is because um, there's the point in um when they first fight. I think it's Slimer actually. Um, when he's like when Vegman's like we came, we saw, we kicked its ass, and my mom was like, don't ever say that. And my brother and I would not say stop saying we came, we saw, we kicked his ass for at least the rest of the day. Like we just kept doing it over and over and over again. We thought it was the funniest fucking thing ever. Um, but no, like so I watched it for the purposes of this. Um, even though I didn't really have to, and then I watched um two again, um, because I was like, why the hell not? Um, the other night. 
And then I watched Afterlife again um, last night, which actually I saw um, at Comic-Con uh, two years ago. Um, they showed it to us like a month before it came out. Um, like Jason Reitman, like they did the whole panel and they were like, they showed us the movie like a month before it came out. And um, like, it was funny that I was watching them all. I remember watching um, Afterlife and being like, there's a lot of like, it's, it's, I, I, I will say it's less annoying than other examples. Um, but there's, it's like, there, there is definitely a lot of fan service to it, but it was funny though. When I was watching it again, I was just like, <laughs> and actually, and this is actually true of the 2016 movie too, even though I don't really like it. Um, but, um, they're all basically the same movie over and over and over again, which actually does make sense for two reasons. A, um, it's very much like, it's cause it's like, if you really like, if you read like what originally the concepts were um, for what Aykroyd wanted to do. It was the same thing with, with Blues Brothers, where it's just like, he was just like, this is the movie I want to make. And it's like insanely expensive, even by today's standards. Um, and they're like, well, we're not doing that. So like, let's figure out how to do this, a version of this that works, like that, that we can actually make. And um, in the case of Ghostbusters, it was like they accidentally kind of like caught lightning in a bottle and then they hit on something. And then it was like the sequel. They once again tried to do like a big fucking thing, and the studio was just like, "No, goddamn it, Aykroyd, we're not spending that goddamn money. Leave me the fuck alone." So it's like they basically made the same movie again. Um, they just changed certain elements of it. It, it is the same. Oh movie. yeah. And then um, when they made like Afterlife, it kind of made sense because they were doing essentially like a remake of the first one in a lot of ways. Um, but then, like, when they did Afterlife, again, it makes sense, because they were trying to basically reboot it. But it's just, like, I, but I think I was thinking about when I was watching Afterlife last night, was I was like, they basically just made the same movie four fucking times. Which, but to be fair, I also don't know, like, I feel like that's because, okay. While I am hoping that the next one that they're doing now is totally different than anything you've ever seen before, I hope it's completely original. But I do understand... Because, as I said, they accidentally, like, managed to, like, catch lightning in a bottle with this. So I completely get trying to basically just keep doing it because it keeps essentially working to some extent or another. Like, it's and, like not always successfully, like, in terms of, like, box office-wise. Because definitely not in the same way that the first one was. But, like, just in terms of, like, it weirdly still works. Because, um, especially considering um, the thing that's most funny about it is that... Not only, like, in terms of, like, the really expensive version, is this not what it was supposed to be? Even in terms of the more realistic version, this wasn't what it was supposed to be. Because the original plan was um, to have um, Belushi as Venkman yeah. and to have uh, Eddie Murphy as Winston. And that didn't happen because Belushi died and um, Murphy got better than cop. Um, so that basically, like, made them kind of pivot there. But, like, again, it's like they accidentally made... They caught on to something that I don't think they intended to, but accidentally made something fucking great because the thing that makes it work is that you have... It's not all comedians. Like, you took... And even the ones that are comedians, they all bring something different to the table. Yeah. Like, um... What... Bill Murray is doing <laughs> is very different from what Dan Aykroyd is doing 
what Dan Aykroyd is doing is very different from what Bill Murray is doing and from what Harold Ramis is doing. And Harold Ramis is doing something completely different from both of them. And then, like, Rick Moranis is doing something completely different than any of them. But then you also have, like, serious actors like Ernie Hudson and Sigourney Weaver and such who are doing something completely different. And it's just kind of like this weird thing where you put these particular pieces together and somehow it worked. Like, and it shouldn't have. Like, by any, like, metric, it just should not have worked. But because somehow you had, like, the right fucking script that eventually got made, you had Ivan Reitman at the peak of his powers making it, and then you had these particular actors who were all, like, in this particular point where they were able to, like, have this weird, perfect chemistry with each other, it just, for some reason, again, it shouldn't have worked, but it somehow, not only did it work, it fucking worked like fucking gangbusters, where, like, it fucking ignited the public consciousness. Like, everybody fucking, like, by all accounts, I remember hearing the story where, um, when they were, like, first, like, I don't know if they were testing or they first released the movie, but, like, they still had shots in there, like, with the wires and shit. Mm. Um, and people, and by Ivan Reitman, like, people didn't care. It was just like, they just loved the movie so much regardless. And I was like, that thing is like, it's fucking crazy that it works. So I completely get that they keep trying to replicate it because how the fuck, like, you don't know what you did. So you just keep trying to do it again in the hopes you'll get the same result. And it doesn't work, (laughs) but it works well enough that you're like, well, maybe if we like change it a little bit. And it's just like, to the extent where I think that like the one time where I think it fails and I'm not shitting on the movie because I don't hate it. I just don't think it works. But um, the one time it fails is Ghostbusters 2016. That's because they tried to do the same thing. And that's the problem. Is It's like you tried to recreate this experiment that shouldn't have worked. And it's like, I think the Flash just getting hit with lightning and chemicals and not becoming the Flash. Like, it's just like, it's just like, that's basically what that movie is. Where it's just like, you tried to replicate the same experiment, but you just absolutely it fizzled like on the fucking thing Mm. but like Mm. everyone in this movie i don't know how it works but it fucking works so fucking well like i don't know why like fucking win like why fucking ernie hudson is such a good straight man to them i don't know why bill murray is still likable being despite being what you said of being such a dick i don't know why like, fucking Harold Ramis is so funny when he's really not doing much. Like, it doesn't feel like he's doing much. Like, it feels like he's holding back, but it makes him so funny. I don't know why fucking Dan Aykroyd isn't annoying. It's just, like, there's all these things where I don't know why they work, but for some fucking reason they do. Yeah, like, yeah, it, it's weird because this... I always said that this film is a prime example of how great being a straight man is. Yeah. Because like Her- Harold Ramis is on fire and he's basically oh, Harold Ramis is always man. a great straight. Like, I, I, like another example is the movie right before this, which is Stripes by Ivan mm-hmm. Reitman, which has both Bill Murray and Harold Ramis in it. And that was another example where it's like cause it's funny because like Harold Ramis, like I mean he acted, but like primarily he was a director. He was a, yeah, he made a like ru- Caddyshack and whatnot, mm-hmm. like uh, Groundhog Day, like whatever, um, Vacation, mm-hmm. but like. When you make him an actor, he's a very funny straight man, which is not an easy thing to be. He's a perfect straight man. He, yeah. he absolutely is. Like, his deadpan delivery is, is some of the funniest shit. Um, like, like it's just like, the, uh, like, look at perfect example. Look at the uh, Ghostbusters 2, yeah. where, um, where he was told, like, uh, my parents didn't believe in toys. 
then and and Ray was like, you, you mean you didn't even have a slinky? We had part of a slinky, but I straightened it. You know what I'm saying? And that's just like, you know, uh, that line is just incredibly hilarious. It's like it's funnier than anything in uh 2016 and it's like not to keep dumping on that movie it's just that you know what what i think doesn't work about that is that they play up the comedy too much you know what i'm saying where it's just like ghostbusters is the right no yeah comedy i agree with you that's that's another thing is i think that afterlife actually i thought did really well was they don't go as hard um because i think again this was not made for kids but everyone subsequently has been made at least with like the idea that kids will see it in mind, um, but like the first one, very much is being a comedy, but also not shying away from being scared. Like oh, I remember yeah. when I first saw this when I was a little kid, um, the opening in the library scared the shit out of me. Like I was legitimately frightened by it. Oh and yeah, it's like and it's like it's like when this movie like goes into horror mood, it goes hard in a horror mood yeah that's why i thought afterlife did a pretty good job of where it didn't go as hard in a horror mode but at least remembered it was still a horror movie and at its core and that's why i think that works better than 2016 because 2016 again like as you just said like it didn't even it it really didn't even acknowledge the horror of it like it barely it basically was just trying to make a comedy and that's what i think kind of where it fails because even two doesn't forget that there's horror at the core of it. It just isn't as yeah. scary. But yeah, nah, yeah, uh, like the 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 scene where uh, Dana Barry gets possessed, like you know, where she's sitting in her living room in the dark, and the fucking hands start coming out of the chair, uh, and and for, like that that scene was legitimately fucking terrifying to me as a kid. Um, also, uh, this movie still has one of my favorite uh, jump scares of all time, where um, after Dana is possessed and she's got Venkman in the bedroom, she starts levitating, uh, like uh, above the bed, and like he gets underneath her and goes, uh, "Please come down." And that that shit would fucking like I remember like no matter how many times I've seen it, that jump scare would fucking get me, you know when she just go, Rawr! you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah, there's one thing I always appreciated about uh, this movie that it, it it's a comedy, but it knows to play the horror straight, and uh, the horror is always played like even in Ghostbusters too as well. Like the scene with fucking, yeah. uh, I mean that that, that it, it's ludicrous looking at uh, uh, Peter McNichol in the fucking nanny costume, but he is scary in that scene, like you know with the red eyes and shit, where he takes Oscar off the ledge of the building. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember being in a theater being scared of that. Like, you know, when he comes up floating. You know what I'm saying? What? The thing is, like, I think Ivan Reitman is actually underrated as a director. Yeah. Uh, to this day. Because, like, I feel like... Um, I'm going to say that the Reitmans in general understand the comedy. But I feel like um, Jason Reitman has more than gotten his flowers. He's fucking Oscar nominated. Um, whereas, I think fucking Ivan Reitman, because he only made, like, commercial movies... Yeah. Um. Always kind of gets treated like he's kind of like not really a filmmaker on some level or not. He's almost he's just like a fucking shooter. Like he just came in like, but it was just bullshit. Because like I think this movie is actually like a perfect example of how good a fucking director is. Because as you said, like he like, he understands the tone of it in a way that I don't think most people would have. And I what I, what I think fucking uh, Dan Aykroyd was going for. Like, if you like, I mean, like the whole thing is like. When you like talk about the original 
concepts and the original scripts and stuff. Like, it was definitely way more of, like, a horror movie. Um, and it's just a matter of, A, it would have been really expensive, and B, I don't necessarily know if it would have worked as well. Um, I think that thing with, like, Dan Aykroyd. Like, I think Dan Aykroyd had really great ideas, um, but Dan Aykroyd was almost like the fucking, like, Richard Kelly of the 80s. It's just that he had somebody telling him the whole time, being like, no, 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 no. Like, it's like, okay. it's like, it's like, we'll make this into something, but what you have, we're not doing. Um, and then it was just like, it wasn't until, like, years later that, like, um, you had stuff where it was like, whatever. Like, I do think he... The thing that Aykroyd did really well in this is that he fucking um, managed to write the shit of it, but also, like, be the heart of the team in a way that I think is really interesting, where it's, like, he's... Because it's, like, basically you have, like... He's kind of the middle ground between... Um, really, all of them. I was going to say between um, Venkman and Spengler. But really, when you, when you bring in uh, Zetamore, he's still kind of... The middle, he's, like, he's, he's kind of, like... It's almost like um, he has like a little piece of each of them, yeah. where it's like he's kind of like this. He's got like the science of uh, Egon, but he's got kind of like the kind of weird like workman like thing. But it's like I think they, they all. I think it's funny is like the whole movie because the thing that you said with um where they were like um, Beckman being a piece of shit, and I was like I think the thing is like they all realize what he brings to the table, whereas like he is good with people. Like, even when he's being a dick, he's still very likable. And I think that they all realize that they need him for that. Yeah. Because they don't have that quality. Um, and I think <laughs> that's what makes the movie work. Is that, like, they're all bringing something completely different to the table. Both in terms of the story, but also just in terms of, like, the actors in the film. No, yeah, like, that That uh, prime example of that is uh, after they capture Slimer in the, in the yeah. hotel. And, uh... Uh, Vakeman is the one talking prices with them, you know what I'm saying? It's like they understand, like he 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 knows how to you know bullshit, and it's just like you know I and I mean like I told you I watched this movie a hundred thousand fucking times, but I didn't realize this until like years ago, is that you could clearly see um um uh, how Ramis uh fucking Spangler just I basically giving the fingers to the prices and shit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, you know, we usually charge $4,000, but you know what I'm saying? Like, we're just going to charge $1,000. So that's a $5,000, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah, he knows he needs, to, like, you know, Venkman to make sense of it and shit, you know what I'm saying? Because he can't do it himself and shit. So it's, but he's like, yeah, this amount this amount, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Which is a beautiful moment. It was just like, oh, like, and like, and it, it, that, that is a moment like that which shows like how great uh, Bill Murray and Howard Ramis were together. You know what I'm saying? Not like like uh, Caddyshack and Stripes and this and. and what well, I feel like it's funny is like this, because like, like speaking of like Caddyshack, it's like funny because like this, like kind of Bill Murray is my favorite kind of Bill. Like, everybody always talks about Bill Murray and Caddyshack. And I really, really like Caddyshack. Caddyshack is a, like one of my favorite movies, uh, really one of my favorite comedies. Um, but I don't care for Bill Murray in that movie that much. Like I don't think he's like that funny. Um, I think the, the funniest people in that movie are like Ted Knight and uh, Chevy Chase. Um, but like when you have this version, 
of Bill Murray. Like, the, the, he's also, like, this is kind of like his persona in, like, Stripes. Um, it's like, this is the better Bill Murray. So it's like, and when you put him with Harold Ramis, it's that much better because, like, Harold Ramis, like, weirdly, like, tempers it. Where it's like it makes it, it almost kind of like he grounds it because I got like my my favorite moments is like in stripes, like when he's like trying to get them to join the army. He's like, no, John, no, 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 and like they end up joining the army. It's like because that's like I do like that relationship. I feel like at some level it's probably true to those two dudes, but also it just works really well with them as characters because it's like it's very much like they need Bankman to basically be the guy who like pushes them out there. Um, but at the same time, Venkman needs them, because without them, he's just... Like, they, they show at the beginning of fucking two. He's just a fucking talk show host. Like, he's just a fucking, like... He's the really good talker. It's like, yeah. you, need both, it's, you need both of them to make it work. Like, he's, he's literally what uh, Dana Barrett accuses him of being yes. in this movie. Which, yeah. which, uh, uh, which uh, if I remember correctly, it was a improv moment on Sigourney Weaver's part, because the line written was... You're more like a used car salesman, but she 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 thought it'd be better to like you. Know, you're more like a game show host, and then in part two we see like he, he's become a talk show host, but like basically in the same vicinity of what the fuck yeah. she was talking about. You know what I'm saying? He's literally the mouth of, of them. Yeah. Um, Spangler is the brains. Yep. Uh, Ray is the heart. They they, they literally state that the in afterlife uh, they do yeah yeah that the uh, um the heart of the Ghostbusters. Um, is what they say about Ray. Uh, and like, uh, you could say, uh, Winston is like the body, you know what I'm saying? Cause he's the, he's the working man of, of them. Yeah. You know, I, I love, uh, I actually use, I use a Winston line in real life at a job. Um, because I used to work for a, uh, health food store where it was all like very, like, it was all like vegan and whatnot. And wait, wait, wait hold, uh, on, hold on, hold on. But before you, before you continue, did you get the job after using no, that? Yeah, line? No, I did. Um, it was funny. Really? Yeah, cause we were walking around um, doing the little tour, the store tour, and the two girls who um, I was like with, who were like um, also getting hired, um, were vegan, and they were like really excited about like all of this shit, and like I'm just like oh okay, and like if we like did, and then like uh, my boss at the time, like Mark, was like, you're not really into this kind of stuff, are you? And I was just like, to quote Winston Zeddemore in uh, the Ghostbusters. If there's a steady paycheck in it, I'll believe whatever you want. Like I was just like, exactly. Like I, I definitely, I understand that character in my bones. Where it's just like, especially as an adult, like as a kid, and I feel like that's the thing. Like he's everybody's least favorite Ghostbuster because, like, I remember like that's the, like the joke in Stranger Things where it's like, um, like they all fight about who has to be Winston um, because he's not a scientist. Um, but like when you're an adult, I think it's much easier to love Winston because it's like he's the guy who is pointing out he's he's standing on the side telling you the stakes yeah he's he's, he's, he's looking he's at the, it as a real person not looking at it as a scientist right he's the surrogate for the audience you know what i'm yeah. saying because he's the one on the ground floor like you know they're they're basically the scientists which was funny too when uh they were releasing uh the 2016 one that uh in the trailer there was like uh, 30 years ago four scientists and winston was not a scientist you know what i'm saying but you know whatever um but no, it's just like like yeah, and um, I like how uh, the poster forgets that Winston was a part of the the, the the Ghostbusters because they just leave him off entirely, and like the, the accusations that the studio was racist by not including uh, Ernie Hudson 
on the fucking uh, and I think they even did that in the video games too, where Winston was not even a playable character for for the longest of times. And it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, what's going on here? Um, but uh, like, what's like coupled with Ernie Hudson and Sigourney Weaver, um not being known like as comedic actors but being like when they do have comedic moments being absolutely funny like like a previously mentioned sigourney weaver delivering the line you're more like a game show host and uh uh ernie hudson's if there's a steady paycheck in it i'll believe anything you say you know and i'm saying uh it just shows like you know this is the, the the pinnacle of like deadpan comedy even though there's a lot of you know uh, like sophomore comedy, like particularly Ray, uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd, well, it, he's, like, it, he's it, almost it, childlike. It modulates throughout the movie. I mean, it's, it's like you'll have like characters like, um, like Venkman, who is very like dry, and then like fucking Hale Dermis, who's even drier. Yeah. Then you have that in contrast to like fucking uh, Rick Moranis, who's going off. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. He's going so far over the top, but he's yeah. extremely funny in that role. Yeah, which 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 makes me laugh is too is that the uh, the role was originally intended for John Candy, yeah. and he could he couldn't see how to play it. Um, like, well, like, his... like also like it's funny like um cause, like that that's true, but what you're saying is true. But also I do think it's funny like that was like that John Candy did a lot where he was just like, um, I don't think I can do this, but I can tell you you can. I know that was also the story of like Three Amigos where like um they wanted him to be one of the the amigos, and he was like no. But uh, my friend Marty Short, he would be very good in this. And so that's how Martin Short got the Three Amigos part. And it's like um, this, where it was just like, I don't think I can do this. But you know who can? My friend Rick Moranis. <laughs> so it's like, basically, whenever like, John Candy didn't know how to play something, it was just like, I can't, but I can tell you can. Like, like yeah, like to, to the point where he was like, I, I can only see myself playing this part if I played him as like German. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And like did it with like a German accent, and and I remember right when was like, no, and it was just like I th- I think that's what Candy was going for. It's just like yeah, I- I'm not gonna be able to do this and shit. So it's just like yeah, my boy can, you know and I'm saying, and like yeah, he he he's really going for like the comedic aspects of it as as well as accurate. But it's like it, it's it's it, it's funny too because it's like the well, chemistry. Like accurate with... plays it is so like fucking like <laughs> it's he it's like very childlike. So he's like yeah. playing it so straight, but I, my, 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 one of my favorite parts in the whole movie, and it's very small, but like when they're on the elevator, and like he first switches on the proton back, and his yeah. face never changes, but both uh, Ramus and, <laughs> and Murray, like just something is like their eyes go wide, they get the fuck away from him on the elevator. That's so no, no. good. I love every aspect of that scene. It's so no, sad. no, the, the, it, it, it does change a little. Like when he switches it on, there's a sense of. Oh shit! What the fuck did I just do? But not to the extent <laughs> that they have. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they <God."> did. <laughs> like, like, no. What I love is that Ramus uh, uh, Spangler is the one that's just like, oh god, move the fuck out of the way, and and and, and fucking uh, Vankman is just like, okay, he's moving out of the way, so I'm just gonna move out of the way too. <laughs> like, just three completely different reactions, and they're all fucking pitch perfect. You know, yeah. saying like how great they are. But it's like, yeah, like there was something I wanted to bring up where you, where you stated how dry Murray is, and yet Ramus is even drier, which makes it seem like, which makes almost Murray's performance seem much more overly comedic. 
yeah. than it actually is because when he's playing alongside Ramus and shit, because Ramus is so dry and deadpan, you know what I'm saying? So serious and shit. It's actually like one of the funny, like one of the funniest moments in the movie to me is when uh, they're, they're, they're going around the hotel looking for Slimer, or the, the, the ghost yeah. and shit. And, and Sprangler comes upon the, the dude outside of his room and he just looks at him and just. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> him with his yeah, and then sees that oh he's an actual guy, and then just goes like oh, whatever, and then just moves <laughs> on. But, and and it's just so fucking like the serious and, and deadpan and shit. But it's the, it's one of the funniest fucking things. Just a mm. uh, well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying you're real. Moving on, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And then like you know that's that's just supposed with uh later when they actually do, do come in contact. Well, when Vankman comes in contact with Slimer. You know what I'm saying? The 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 iconic scene. Um that, uh, he's right here. Which is funny now that I think about it. I've been thinking about it for the first time ever that like um because basically, as I said, originally Vekman was supposed to be John Belushi, but John Belushi yeah. died before they made the movie. So basically that's the and they've they've said since that Slimer was basically playing the ghost of John Belushi. Yeah. So technically that is the ghost of John Belushi meeting the guy who ultimately played his part, <laughs> essentially in that scene, and and then fucking him up. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Don't move. He Which won't fair, hurt though, you. I, I don't know what it was like script wise because I feel like a lot of this was probably um, improv by Murray. So like I don't know if it would have been the same if he I, had. Actually, released, the. But... Um, I, I remember listening to the commentary and the, the, that was brought because the commentary was done by Ramus Reitman and uh, Joe Medjuk. Um, I think, think it's how you pronounce his name. And that was brought up like how people always comment that, that, uh, oh, Murray must have improvised a lot. And uh, both Ramus and Reitman stated that no, he actually didn't. That, uh, all, all, everything that uh, Murray says was written by Ramus. It was just that I, Ramus was, I know how he thinks, and you know, I know what lines to write for him. Which I think was led to their falling out. Um, uh, well, part of it, um, after they did uh, Groundhog Day, was that there was a, I think there was a part of Murray that felt like um, a lot of his success was being like, you know, attributed to Harold Ramus uh, writing for him, and he was like, I want to, you know, show that I could be funny without him, kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? And then shows that uh, he really couldn't when he was doing shit like Larger Than Life and The Man Who Well, to be fair, little. though, I, I also feel like Bill Murray was also one of the... I mean, and it, okay, Bill Murray, and it's come out in recent years, probably isn't the greatest person. But having yes. said that, um, I do think that he was one of the few comic actors who is was smart enough to realize at a certain point you are no longer, like, funny. Like, you basically kind of... Because the whole thing of, like, comedy... It's basically like being an Olympic athlete. Like, it's like you have like a couple of year window where, mm-hmm. like, you are operating within the public zeitgeist. Like, you, you, you are like hitting on all cylinders with what people are thinking what is funny. And then that changes, like, within a, couple, within a few years. And the, very, the smart comedians, which there is actually not a lot of, but I think Bill Murray is one of them, are like, okay, cool. So I'm not going to do this anymore. And he started doing dramatic roles. And as a result, that's why he got a whole fucking second career, because it was like, at a certain point, nobody really wanted Bill Murray comic actor because he was doing stupid movies that nobody cared about. Then people did want Bill Murray in Wes Anderson movies and whatnot, and like uh, Jim Jarmusch movies and whatever. Um, So it's like, 
I give credit for him on that level because he was one of the only people who realized that. Because like I also like I feel like another example. And I used to use this joke and it was really mean. And I stopped, but I was like, you, you either it's a comedian, you either die a hero or you live long enough to, to be uh, Dan Aykroyd. Um, where it's like I do think Dan Aykroyd seems like a really nice guy, and he's a really smart businessman. But he has not been funny in a long fucking time. And so it's like, that's why I used to make that joke. But again, I, it felt mean because he seems like such a nice guy. Even though that's why I doubt he cares. I feel like he just like, I make enough money like from my various businesses. I don't give a fuck. Like, and my residuals. Like, I don't, you can say whatever the fuck you want about me. I don't need to do anything for the rest of my life. Um, but like, although I will say as a dramatic actor, I still think he's actually, he could, I think, do dramatic roles. Because um, in Ghostbusters Afterlife, I think that he's very good in the couple scenes he's in um, playing dramatically. So it's like, I definitely think that he has more in him. I just don't think he, again, I don't think a lot of comedians made that transition. Yeah. And more comedians should. Because it just reminds me of like the, um, speaking of Chevy Chase, it reminds me of um, the thing in, uh, when they like, he um, got into it with uh, Don Glover on Community. And, like, um, everybody was like, really upset about it, except for Don Glover, who was just like, there comes a time where every artist has to understand that their time has passed. And he hasn't. So that's mm. on him. And I was just yeah. like, that's a really good, mature attitude. It's also really mean. No, yeah, totally. With, with, with Aykroyd, I think, you know, um, he, he has a way of playing comedy that just, at, 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 you know, stopped working at a point you know what i'm saying it's I mean, like they, 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 all, all comedic actors have that is like yeah. some people realize some people don't yeah like there, there, there's some there, there's a rare comedic actor who is just you know naturally funny you know what i'm saying like all throughout their life you know what i'm saying and it's like and like like i do agree that Ackroy seems like a um a really cool dude and shit but it's just like yeah uh, like once it like and I, I, like it feels like the '90s were a wake up call to a lot of people, like especially '80s stars, where it's just like you know, I mean, we've talked about this all the time, like our favorite horror directors, where it's just nothing worked for them. Well, with the exception of Wes, nothing worked for them in the '90s. You know what I'm saying? And Aykroyd was uh, is a really good example of that because, like, I think he started the '90s with uh, nothing but trouble. I guess say, yeah. <laughs> And, Which I will say, I have never seen, but I know a lot of people who really love that movie, so I have nothing against it whatsoever. I have not seen it in quite some time. However, I used to watch the fuck out of that movie because they used to show it all the goddamn time on HBO. And I loved Nothing But Trouble. Um, also, an early appearance from uh, Tupac in, the, in that movie when he was part of Digital Underground, um, okay. who make a cameo in that movie. Um, but I, I thought that movie was uh, incredibly hilarious. But even Chevy Chase himself has said that he feels that, um, and this is wild coming from Chevy Chase, that uh, he feels like that was like the death nail for uh, Aykroyd's career because, you know, he was completely responsible for that movie. Not like saying it's a bad movie, but in that it was such a failure and like there was nobody to blame for it but Aykroyd himself because, you know, he was not only one of the stars, he was the writer and the director. So it's just like, this is all on you, buddy. <laughs> like, you know, everybody thinks this movie sucks. So, and this is all like, you know, you're the complete author of this movie and shit. And then like, he never recovered from that failure. And then he was doing shit like, uh, what Celtic pride. Um, the fucking, uh, uh, what was that movie he did? 
getting away with murder. Well, with I, mean, a... like, I, I, I think the, I, the thing that's actually funny is I think his most successful role, and I don't, know, I, I don't remember if it was the 90s or late 80s, um, but of that era, was actually a dramatic role in um, Driving Miss Daisy. That was 89. Um, okay, yeah. So, like, <laughs> it's just funny that, like, he just couldn't fucking even see that, like, Okay, so actually, if it was 89, that actually makes perfect sense, because like, that was the same year that Ghostbusters 2 came out. Like, that should have been the moment where he was just like, okay, so I did the comedy movie that was a layup, and nobody liked that. It didn't make any money. I did the fucking um, dramatic role, and that was like very popular and nominated for awards. His, his mindset should have been pivot, <laughs> but he did not go with the pivot. He just kept going with what he was doing. But again, at the same time... I don't think he's a stupid guy because fucking every fucking business venture he has done, whether it be the House of Blues, whether it be like the Crystal Skull Vodka, all of this shit has been very successful. So like he's not a stupid guy by any sense. I do think it's funny though. He went from being, um, like if you watch like early Saturday Night Live, Ackroyd was like a very fucking, like he was almost like the punk rock guy of that era. And that was, which is insane because it was an era that was very punk rock for comedy in general. Like, um, like Saturday Night Live, I know now it's just like such an institution that you don't even think about it. But like when it came out in 75, it was a very fucking like out there concept. Yeah. And, um, and the people they had were like guys who were on the cutting edge of comedy. Yeah. And like the most cutting edge one was probably Dan Aykroyd. And then he <laughs> went on to become like the most safe and boring one of all of them. Which is why I used to make that joke. But I like, I got, I felt bad about it. So I stopped making that joke. <laughs> No, it's weird, like, because I was just thinking about what you said about, like, him not pivoting and, and like, you know, him being a really good dramatic actor and just not really sticking with that. Because then it's like, I remember he was also in the 90s, he was also in My Girl and yep. My Girl 2. And he's really fucking good yep. dramatically in that movie. And it's just like, yeah, that's right there, buddy. Like, you know, showing you that maybe do this, you know what I'm saying? But no, he, he wanted to keep doing shit like Celtic Pride. And it's just like, you know, now it's to the point where he's like, ah, I don't give a shit. You know, I, I, I got my, I, I perform my blues. I drink my vodka. Uh, uh, you know, I talk about ghost. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's like, he, he's obviously, he's obviously a real smart too, because it's like, it, uh, when, when he's sitting there talking about like ghost shit, it's like, I, I have no idea what the fuck he's talking about. You know what I'm saying? Cause like he, like it should be noted that Harold Ramis has stated that all like the, the scientific jargon about the ghosts, like, you know what I'm saying? Total protonic reversal and all that shit. He said, those are Ackroyd's lines. 100%. You know what I'm saying? That he was like, you know, like I would write this funny line and shit. And then Ackroyd would come out with this fucking, the science, you know, so, you know, scientific babble bullshit. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, whatever the fuck you said, you know what I'm saying? I would just merely brought in to tone your shit down. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's like, also, I think it's funny. I remember like, um, when they made this, like I read the story recently where like, um, when they actually had the script, uh, with the actual, like completed version that was like the pared down from the epic concept that Ackroyd had, um, it, uh, Ivan Reitman didn't even know for sure how much it was going to cost. He just said 30 million because it was triple what it cost to make uh, Stripes, which he was like, that seems fair. Um, which I was just like, I just love that everybody involved in this movie on every level. It's like this movie came together and worked out of like sheer fucking blind luck. It was just like nobody knew what they were doing. 
But for some reason, they ended up making one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> like, yeah. there is, like, no reason that it should have worked. But, like, somehow, it just managed that everything somehow managed to be perfect. And it all came together. And, like, I do think that's, like, the thing that ultimately I love about it is that, like, even on, like, a, like a specific level, it, it's, it's a horror comedy, which in and of itself never does that well. Like, we've talked about many horror comedies on the show. Christ, their second episode was Tremors, which was, like, one of the, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best horror comedies ever, which made no fucking money. It just became a hit over time because yeah. of video and cable and whatnot. Um, whereas Ghostbusters fucking lit the fucking box office on fucking fire and let it build into a fucking inferno. Yeah. And it's a horror comedy, which in of itself is fucking insane to think about now. Especially because, like, if you think about it, like, it came out the same fucking day as Gremlins, which also is another example of, like, horror comedy where they don't do well. But both of those movies came out the same day and both made a shitload of money. It's fucking crazy. Like, when you think about it now, like, in retrospect. Like, I mean, yes, because they're really good and audiences came out, it's kind of like the situation with, like, with Barbenheimer, where it's like, yeah, you have two really good movies and they did really well, so it's like, it's, it's whatever. But in this case, it's just crazy to me, because usually when you make a horror comedy, no matter how good the movie is, no matter how talented people in front and behind the camera are, it usually fucking fails, because audiences don't generally like them but for some reason with fucking ghostbusters it worked like fucking gangbusters like it just fucking just it's and i think i was like and i do think that to this day it's weird that people forget the horror aspect of it because it's like every just focuses on how funny it is which it is it's a very funny movie but like the thing that i think is makes it kind of work so well across so many different audiences is because it's also has like those sci-fi elements to some extent, but also has really strong horror elements in a time when horror was at its most fucking popular. Yeah. And as a result, like you put these things together and you made something that worked so well, but like people forget why to me. And that, that I think is fucking nuts. But like, I do think that thing is like, all of the shit with like you, know, you talk about like the um, the stuff with uh, Dana when she first um, becomes Zool, um, but like I remember when I was a kid, like um, the bit when um, Moranis is getting chased down um, by uh, the gatekeeper yeah. uh, or the keymaster. Yeah, because he's he's she's the gatekeeper, he's the keymaster. Keymaster, yeah. Yeah. Um, so when he's getting chased down by the keymaster. Um, that bit where he's like in front of, I think it's like Tavern on the Green. On the Green, yeah. That was fucking scary as shit to me as a child. Like it was like, that's fucking terrifying. Like it's like A, the effect of um, the creature and B, just like the way that it was shot where it's shot in the most horrific horror movie way. But again, for some reason, people just remember the parts that are funny and don't remember the parts that are scary. And that's fucking weird to me. It's a weird Mandela effect thing with this movie. Where it's like, it is one of the best horror comedies of all time. But it's almost like when horror movies get, um, like, successful both commercially and critically, they somehow become thrillers. And people just kind of pretend it's not a horror movie. This weirdly had a situa similar situation where, like, it just, like, 
people were just like, it's just a comedy. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, that's the reason this movie works is because it's very funny and it's very scary. Like, it's it's the perfect mixture of both things. And it shows how good horror comedy can be when you do it right. And everyone involved did it fucking right. No, yeah, it's 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 like when we were talking about with Tremors, where it's just like that perfect storm of bl- the blending of horror and comedy where the horror is scary and the comedy is hilarious. Like you mentioned the scene with Tavern on the Green, uh, like being terrifying. And then it's immediately followed by like the, the hilarious moment where it's just like no one gives a shit because they're New Yorkers and shit. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, what? Okay, like I was saying, you know what I'm saying? That kind of attitude and shit where it's just like they just immediately go on with their day and shit because it's 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 New York. Who gives a fuck? You know what I'm saying? Like we, we see the most insane shit all the time and shit. And it's just like, ah, uh, you know, the, I saw this happen and then uh, you know, I had to get the fuck out of there because I was almost late for my appointment, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like I, I did want to talk a bit about that, like how this is one of the most iconic New York movies ever made as well even though it's like uh a lot of it was actually shot in la you know i'm saying like they they only had you know because i know it's incredibly expensive to shoot in new york um so they only shot there for like i think a couple days and shit and everything else was shot in la you know i'm saying on sets but it's just like uh how iconic it is like you know to 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 new york as, as a city like you know this 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 movie um uh to to the point where it's just like I've I've visited a lot of the locations in the in the, in this in this movie, like and sometimes just like you know, oh shit, I'm over here by fucking Dana Barrett's building, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm I'm walking by a Tavern on the Green and shit. Oh, it's the fucking firehouse, and like even moments like that where I've just like accidentally just happened upon this location, there were always just like either large crowd or small crowd there but there were always people there fucking across the street like hey look like i remember like i was i was going to some i forgot where the fuck i was going i think it was like a doctor's appointment or something i don't know but i i just real oh shit it's the ghostbusters firehouse you know what i'm saying and there were a bunch of dudes across the street taking pictures you know what i'm saying and like i remember uh i happened upon dana barrett's building because uh uh i used to go to school on 50th street and uh the train doors did not open so it took to took us to the next stop which was a uh, 59th columbus circle so i uh instead of like trying going across the way and taking the train back i decided to walk to school because i didn't give a fuck about being late um and i happened to walk by the the, the building um and the, the same thing oh shit this fucking did and i stood there for a second and i realized there was a bunch of other people standing there just like Probably with the same emotion, you know what I'm saying? Like it's Dana Parrott's building, you know what I'm saying? And, and also, it, uh, uh, to be noted, it's actually not as big as it, they make it look in the. Well, yeah, the movie. I mean, it's, it's very clear they're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that fucking that that whole like monastery thing on top of it does not exist. And I was like, ah, you know, they fucking lied to me, those sons of bitches, you know. So, but, like, to be fair. Um, I'm pretty sure the beams are not also made of selenium. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, say just just like, wow, this is where they shot Ghostbusters. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like it it's it's such a incredible feeling. Like, you know, as someone who grew up 
loving worshiping this movie and then just being in the vicinity just like you know where they shot it and then seeing like others who were going through the same thing at the same time as i am and she shows just like like you were saying the fucking stranglehold this movie has on you from the time of its release all the way until now yeah. you know what i'm saying where it was just everyone is clearly just like you know uh has such a impact on their life and shit you know what i'm saying where it's just like, I said, like my niece is yeah. seven and she's fucking she loves fucking ghostbusters like fucking loves it and i was like i i, I bought her and it's funny is like um I, I was mentioning before i was like because they they re-released a lot of that old like merch um so i bought her like the little like the fucking like um i, I don't it's, it's the proton pack is the back thing i don't know what the hell you call the little gun um but um i bought her that because i was like believe it or not <laughs> Your dad and I played with this when we were a little. Is, is that the one that the? Uh, is that the one that uh, it it projects the, the ghost on the wall? No, no, no. That's a different thing. This is like this one had some oh. little like um like it like shoots little like foam thingies. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that one as well. I had yeah, that one. Yeah, and as they, well. they still make oh. that. Like they they made that recently, and like and like um I remember like they made a lot of the toys. They they remade old toys. Like um like I saw them in stores and shit, and I was like, holy shit! And like they also have like. Because uh, I think it's funny is like um, the end of the movie with, with the uh, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I was in fucking heaven as a kid because like, I already fucking loved uh, kaiju movies. So I was just like, oh, cool, a giant fucking monster. Like, that's the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. That's why like, it was funny. Like, whenever, like, when they made like the real Ghostbusters and everything was focused on Slimer, it was like, yeah, then that's fine. But like, as soon as I saw like fucking uh, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, I'm like, oh, my God, that thing fucking rules. Yeah, he he showed up, he showed up a couple times on the show and shit, but it's like it's, 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 that has to be disputed because at at the, at the first it would like Slimer was like a uh, a small part, like you know he'd be like in the episodes, you know, what I'm saying doing funny shit, but like it was primarily focused on the Ghostbusters. It wasn't until I think uh well four seasons in where they did they changed it to slimer slimer and the real ghostbusters that's where straczynski said fuck this i'm out of here and i think a lot of the writers did as well and shit they was like nah because they're like the studio was like oh no they 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 brought in some fucking guy and shit it was like no kids like this and you have to introduce kid characters it's funny because i remember hearing um i remember i heard a story recently where they had shot a bunch of slimer shit for ghostbusters 2 that ended up all getting cut out because they found that nobody gave a shit. And I was like, that's the thing is <laughs> like, yes, kids like Slimer, sure. But kids weren't the fucking audience. For, like the kids weren't paying for their ticket. Like their parents were paying for the fucking ticket. And in most cases, people were going without kids. They just like they liked Ghostbusters, so they were seeing Ghostbusters too. So it's like the fact that they were trying to shoehorn the Slimer in there was just like not understanding that like well to be fair like the eighties was like was, was also a super fucking weird time for cartoons in general where they were like yeah no we're gonna make a Ghostbusters uh, cartoon which I guess kind of makes sense because like that was at least like aimed it wasn't aimed at kids but like it, it caught on with kids so I guess like but it was just like. Yeah, we're also gonna do like Rambo. Like, what the fuck? And like, it's like the PTSD Vietnam veteran cartoon, and like RoboCop, and just like, no, what? yeah, <laughs> no, it, it is because, as you say, it, it, it's it's wild that we got cartoon shows out of Rambo and RoboCop, and like you would think that fucking Ghostbusters would be like the most accessible one. 
Uh, yeah, and this is a movie that still features the fucking one of the characters getting his cock sucked by Which a I ghost. Still okay, this is the thing. You always mention this. And I honestly, to this day, am not sure if that is meant to be a real thing or if it's a dream that Ray is having. No, I think, it's a, do, it, it, I think it's a dream. It's a weird, like, dissolve thing on it. But it's like, everyone's like, ha-ha, Ray got a blowjob. And I'm just like, I don't think that he did. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm pretty sure they did a weird dissolve before this, which suggests it's not reality. No, no, it, it is a dream sequence. However, that was taken from a, a scene that they deleted where uh, it was Ray and Winston were investigating, like, you know, this haunted location. And uh, Ray was tired, so he laid down and shit. And then the ghost came and sucked his dick. Um, and they said, like, yeah, no, let's not. But, like, we, we want to keep that, you know, because we already <laughs> spent money on the effects. So we'll just make it a dream sequence. And it's like, yeah, but you, you still got a scene where, like, even if it's a dream, you still got a scene where, like, you know, um, they imply that I one of our characters get is getting that's his dick that, sucked. That's the thing. Is like, I, I, do I didn't get it either as a, as a kid. I didn't get no, it either. Yeah, that's the thing I think it's funny is like that's why I always think it's funny when people like talk about like um, like movies and like bring kids to movies. I'm just like, I don't make this clear to people, but like, if a kid doesn't get something and you don't call attention to it, they just don't care. Like they'll just they'll just keep going with the movie and just like whatever. They don't care. It's no, when absolutely. you fucking call attention to it that then it becomes a thing. It's like I've like I've watched movies and like watched them with my niece and like this doesn't even track and I'm like yes exactly like that was what it was when I was a kid too like it's like there's so many jokes in like for instance like Spaceballs that I did not get as a child that as an adult I completely understand but it's like I didn't even ask the question and my dad did not call attention to them so it's whatever whereas like there's the joke in Ghostbusters like I said like they like fucking we came we saw a kid's ass my mom told me not to say that so then i instantly started saying it over and over again so i'm just like you need to people need to understand like you can basically put as well as not like super explicit you can basically put whatever into a movie and show it to a kid just don't call attention to it and they won't care <laughs> like it just will not be a problem for them no that is true you also have uh, the moment where uh uh, uh, two characters say another character has no dick. Yes, uh, the, I mean, which is one of my favorite lines. And uh, apparently, to my mother, um, she told me that uh, that that line used to make me giggle all the time. And shit. And it was like I obviously had no clear understanding what it meant, but I just found it funny anyway. You know, so everything was going fine until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. They caused an explosion. Is this true? Yes, this is true. This man has no dick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so also like uh, uh, we we were talking about the actors. Of, uh, we we have to at least give some semblance of flowers to William Atherton. Well, thing, uh, I don't. It's just like I feel like William Atherton. He got real weird about like his success in this stuff because like I know like people wanted to cast him. I know like um, Kevin Smith wanted to cast him in something, and he fucking refused. Uh, because like he fucking he's so was, was it Mallrats? It could have been. I think it was Mallrats actually. With the the Rooker part, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And he was so like, no, I'm not playing these characters ever again. And I'm just like, I feel like it's funny to me that like I was just like, so you hate success? <laughs> like, no, I, no, I, what, what, no. What I think it was is that he had like he played these characters so well. He had instances where people would come off the street and want to fight him <laughs> for for being for for being like. Like, because remember, he has three, like, well, two real iconic moments, and then one that uh, is less iconic, but still one of the one of the, in the great pantheon of the movie villains with uh, Peck in here, Thornburg in uh, Die Hard, and um, what was the name of his character in uh, 
real genius? Fuck. Oh, uh, one and two. He's in Die oh, yeah. one and two. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. He's a prick in Die Hard two as well. I was drinking well, water and I kept trying to do the two, and you weren't fucking picking up on it. I was just like, God damn it, Rob. No, 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 no. Because because I'm fucking stuck on no. This uh, I have to find out now because this is. I'm, I'm already on. I'm already on there. I'm already on there. He's he- Jerry Hathaway, which is not a member. Yeah, of Hathaway, Hathaway. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So like he has like these these three roles and shit where he's known. It's almost like fucking Zapka, you know what I'm saying? Uh, where you're primarily known as one of the greatest dicks of all time in three different movies, but like. In, in his case, like he said that he had a real problem with people coming up to on the street. Like, we're upset that you were mean to the Ghostbusters and that uh, we were upset with what you did to John McClane. That that's fucking movie. I was playing a role. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's what the part entailed. No, we don't like that you did that in, in, in this in this movie. We think it's real. So we want to fight you. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, he's like, yeah, I'm not doing this shit anymore. You can forget it. So I, I can see his point why he won't, he won't want to play like assholes in movies anymore. I mean, I don't think it would have been bad if like, if 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 it was mall rats and shit, you know what I'm saying? Because it was yeah. just like and nobody uh, saw mall rats until years later, <laughs> <laughs> right? And uh, I mean, it worked out best because I feel like it was perfect for Rooker. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To, to play that part, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, like uh, he he is he, he is definitely one of the all time great uh, pricks in movies. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like you know, bure- bureaucratic asshole and shit who. If you think about it, he is correct in you know what I'm saying. Oh no, one thing I think it's funny is also like the thing you mentioned, like the the no dick thing. Um, it's like I think the main reason that works, even though if you don't um, know what that means, is because of how well it's pulled off in terms of like the actors, but also how fucking well directed it is by Ivan Reitman. Where it's like it doesn't matter if you get it or not; it still works because Ivan Reitman is so fucking good as a director in yeah. this era. That it's like you can't fucking. It doesn't matter whether or not you understand it. You still think it's funny because he just knows how to fucking shoot a fucking scene like that. Yeah, no, but uh, yeah, it's 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 one of those. It's it's. it's I just just remembered something. Like we're talking about like the inappropriateness of this movie. Like this is a movie that also features a cameo by Ron Jeremy. Uh, (laughs) I didn't even know that. (laughs) You did. You did. That's one of the most famous things about this movie. Like when the. Uh, they they shut off the 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 containment unit, and like you know the shit is blowing up, and they all in the street. One of the onlookers and shit that's looking at the fucking shit happening is Ron Jeremy. Like, oh, I mean, I have no reason not to believe you, but I don't think that was a cameo. I think it was just a guy looking for a fucking part, and he got a fucking like an extra part. So it's like I don't really think that was a cameo. I think anyone was like, hey, we're a big fan of Ron Jeremy. Let's get him into our film for one scene. Well, I'm pretty. Ron Jeremy was like. I need fucking work. What what can I find? Oh, hey, there's a featured extra part in this movie, Ghostbusters. I'm going to show up. No, well, my thing is that uh, at the time of the making of this movie and, like, its release and shit, uh, um, uh, New York City was, was the mecca for porn, especially on 42nd Street. So... I could imagine New York audiences would have been watching this movie and said, "Hey, I know that guy. <laughs> that's that's the that's the hedgehog and shit with the big schlong and shit. What the fuck is he doing in here?" So, like, oh, we just saw a character get his dick sucked by a ghost and shit, so it shouldn't even matter, I guess. <laughs> that's also one of my favorite scenes too and shit. The whole thing with the the containment center, um, 
because like that great montage with like all the ghosts running loose and all that shit. But also, um, is also a, a testament to how funny uh, Ramus is because uh, that's the one big uh, energetic moment he has in the movie where um, uh, Peck is calling for the arrest of the Ghostbusters. It's like, oh, this is a direct violation of the Environmental Protection Act. This explosion is a direct result of it. And he goes, your mother! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Which is probably the fucking most uh, aggressive thing uh, Spangler has ever said in his life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, Oh God, we really lost when we lost Harold Ramis, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's actually the thing I do love about um, Afterlife was just it was just like even though a lot of people said that his like the when he was a ghost they didn't like it, and I was like I did, and also I think that like the reason it worked is because it like helped everybody involved with the movie, but also just everybody as like an audience kind of like cope with the loss of Harold Ramis and the character of Egon Spengler. Yeah. Yeah, uh, um, I know uh, particularly for Murray because I know yeah. that because uh, he he spent quite some time uh, not like essentially feuding, but like you know they they were no longer friends after uh, they had a falling out on the set of Groundhog Day, and I mean they made amends, but you know after Ra- you know Ramus was basically on his deathbed, uh, it all it all. Um, I remember what was it? Uh, what what Oscars was where he was presenting? Yeah, it was the yeah, the year he died. Yeah, and uh, he gave a shout out to him, and you could see like he's he's on the verge of tears at that moment, and you know I I, I could understand the sentiment. It was like I spent years fucking beefing with my homie and shit, and you know I could have been chilling with him, and now he's gone and shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I think that probably led to him wanting to do Afterlife. You know what I'm saying? Like it's particularly that moment where. They they have like kind of like a I don't know what you'd call it um like uh like you know that relief from you yeah know, they 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 all it, like say goodbye basically they're just yeah. like it's like I, I miss you my friend I'm like yeah, yeah. No, just like yeah no I, I do because like I I did anything I was like I do think that's a great thing from uh, Ackroyd like there's that whole moment in Afterlife when like uh, Egon Spengler can burn in hell or rot yeah. in hell and then like uh she's like he died. And he instantly just switches. He's just like, oh man. And yeah. it's like, I think it's like, I was just like, I do think that's the thing is like, I feel like that's the whole thing is like, I think Harold Ramis, even though I do think, honestly, I do like him as an actor, but I think he was a more interesting filmmaker than he ever got really credit for being. Um, because yeah, if you look true, through yeah. the things that he made, many of them are classics. <laughs> like, he fucking made Vacation. He fucking made Caddyshack. He fucking made Groundhog Day. Like, it's like, all of the shit that he didn't even appear in, he just made these movies, and they're fucking great. Like, like this as well. Yeah, no, he's just. In any of that, I was like, I don't think that he ever really gets enough credit for. I think, I, I, I think it's a thing just with with comedy in general. Like I said, like similar thing with Ivan Reitman, where it's like, I'm not gonna say everything Ivan Reitman did was fucking classic, but I do think he did a lot of fucking classics, which is more than a lot of fucking filmmakers ever do in their lives. And he made some of the best movies of all time, this being one of them. So it's like, I think that, like, that thing is, like, I think that the, those are, these are two dudes who were fucking titans, but didn't get credit for being fucking titans. And that bums me the fuck out. And it really fucking irritates me. Yeah, cause, and it's weird, too, because, like, you know, he, I guess you look, you know, comedy director, you know what I'm saying? So who gives a fuck? But, um... It's the same thing as a horror director. It's just like, yeah. like if, you're doing, if you're doing, if you're working in genre, nobody fucking respects you. <laughs> Right, um, 
But like, look at Reitman's direction of horror on this. You know what I'm saying? And also, um, perfect example is a uh, Kindergarten Cop, which is you know, uh, family comedy. But like, you know, when it gets into the climax and shit, where fucking uh, Kimball has to uh, uh, track down Buddy Ravel, that's really fucking tense sequence. Not just the climax. Yeah. The beginning is basically Cobra. <laughs> like, yeah. what was yeah, like and he he does he does a really good job. I'm glad you mentioned it because he does a really good job, basically, um, uh, uh, copying that uh, like that kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger type action movie shit. You know what I'm saying? Where it's just like it could have been played for. I mean, essentially, a lot of it is played for laughs and shit. But like he does a really good job, you know, like copying that kind of tone. You know what I'm saying? With Schwarzenegger and his one line, I'm the party pooper. You know what I'm saying? He's shotgunning everything. But then, like, you know, when it basically goes into thriller mode again, like, he plays the thriller aspects incredibly straight. And it becomes really tense, especially, like, when fucking uh, 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 Buddy Ravel got the got the kid at gunpoint. You know what I'm saying? And and uh, it's, like, some real tense shit there. And it's, like, it would, it would have been great to have seen him, like, you know, uh, like do more of that and shit, but like you know, I think he was probably at home, you know, with, with his doing comedy, you know. Also, which... I think he also like because if, if you if you if you know the story, um, <laughs> when they made Twins, um, he Schwarzenegger and Ivan Reit, or and, uh, Danny DeVito um, had a deal where basically they wouldn't to basically keep the budget down, they wouldn't take fees, they would just get the back end. Yeah, and because that movie made so much fucking money, they all made like like it's like <laughs> I can't remember. What, I think it was like recently that Danny DeVito was just like, I don't know if everybody in their in the world owns Twins on DVD, but my bank account suggests they do. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> so it's like I definitely think that was probably a factor. Also, is it like I think Ivan Reitman like he lo- I think he loved filmmaking and he liked movies, but at a certain point he also was just like. It's fine. Like, it's like I, don't, I don't. I don't need a job. Like I, I have enough money that I can. I have enough. We're good. Like I don't give a fuck. Nah, like I mean, like I, I believe at the point he was still spending fucking Ghostbusters money. You know what I'm saying? Because like, not not just that, but the uh, 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 real Ghostbusters money shit. Because he was a producer on the show, yeah. and, and and that fucking show made buku oh, money. A lot, a lot of the shit he was a producer on made shitloads of money. So it's, yeah, I'm like I'm sure at a certain point he was just like he he was like Scrooge McDuck. I'm pretty sure. Like I'm sure he was just like he was fine. So like I feel like at a certain point he just kind of just like eh, because like again like I'm not gonna say everything that Reitman did was great, but I will say the fact that he made even one, but I would argue more than one, like classic film, is more than most people ever do, and the same thing can be said for Raymond's. So it's like yeah, I'm not gonna say everything that they made is brilliant but the stuff they did do that was brilliant was will live forever like it's not it was so brilliant that it will live forever and that's fucking that says something more than money ever fucking could or like traditional thoughts on success no yeah totally you know what i'm saying um i think you know it's time that he did get his flowers you know what i'm saying like i mean Granted, I, I think people do and shit, but like more as just like as his contributions to comedy and shit. And it was like his contributions to filmmaking. Period yeah. deserve all the fucking flowers. Um, so like yeah, that's uh, that's that's you know 
think, again, Ghostbusters is another example where it's like I definitely think it is like I mean there's like tiny things here and there, but like mostly I would I if I would definitely say it's a masterpiece. And like I mean I wouldn't say it's a perfect film, but I would say it's a fucking masterpiece. And I do think it definitely deserves credit in the pantheon of horror comedies that it doesn't get. Yeah. Like more fucking people need to start acknowledging the fact that they did. It's always like the line in um, Serenity um, and, for, and Firefly, which I don't think, I don't know if you ever watched. But um, there, like, there's like a line that Mal, where he's like, we've done the impossible and that makes us mighty. Um, that's my whole thing with Ghostbusters is like, you made a horror comedy that made a kajillion dollars and is still beloved decades later even by people who were like not even close to being alive in the same era you have done the impossible and that makes you mighty <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah um and i think that would do it uh for the discussion on um these two movies and this episode for chainsaws and claws we hope you uh, enjoyed we uh are everywhere at this point um as far as social media um i know like i don't feel the need but i think patrick feels the need that we should um but yes we're on x um <laughs> blue sky threads uh instagram tiktok uh as far as uh, uh i never said you had to do anything i do it because like that's like that's the housekeeping that's like whatever you are a grown man in charge of your own choices i'm just saying I put out that we are on we are chainsaws claws basically everywhere. Yeah. Um, also, uh, wherever you listen to uh, podcasts, uh, we're there as well. Like all the major ones: uh, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, and all the little ones as well uh, on, on the bottom. Not Stitcher because that doesn't exist anymore. But uh, everything else, we're there. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed, and we will catch you next time. Oh, <laughs>